that it's uh, six oh. F- uh, let's wait. <laughs> it is six oh five, and we will call to order the uh, Planning and Zoning Commission meeting for Monday, February six, twenty twenty three. Uh, we will start with the invocation, and uh, I guess I'll lead us in the invocation tonight. <laughs> Uh, Dear Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for this most beautiful and ice-free day. Uh, We thank you for your protection and your guidance, Lord. And uh, we just pray tonight that you will guide us as a body up here, Lord, in our decision-making. Guide those citizens that are here tonight to speak freely and and bring their their thoughts to us. And uh, we thank thank you for all your glory, Lord. just a prayer for all our emergency responders and folks who were out on this during the winter storm this past week and, and helping folks out there on the road and clearing the roads, Lord. Um, their efforts are, are very much appreciated by all of us. And uh, it's in your name we pray. Amen. Next, we'll have the Pledge of Allegiance. Pledge of Allegiance to the flag. All right, next item is recess and executive session. I have no reason to do that, so we'll move to the, uh, the next item, and that's approval of the minutes from the January 17th, 2023 Planning and Zoning Commission meeting. Give the commissioners a, a few minutes there to look over those and uh, see if there's any comments or concerns there. Move to approve. Second. All right, we have a motion to approve by Vice Chairman Maynard and a second by Commissioner Gilmore. We will go to a vote. And the motion carries. Next item on the agenda is citizen comments. Uh, Citizens wishing to address the commission on non-public hearing agenda items and items not on the agenda may do so at this time. Once the business portion of the meeting begins, only comments related to public hearings will be heard. All comments are limited to five minutes. Um, In order to be recognized during citizen comments or during a public hearing, please fill out the blue appearance card. They're located in the entryway of the chamber and present it to the planning secretary. I do not have any cards for citizen comment, just on cases. So we will move to the next item of the agenda. And that is the consent agenda. We have one item this evening, 23-5164, SD number 22-066, a preliminary plat of lot one, block one, lots one through three, block two, lot one, block three, lots one and two, block four, lots one and two, block five, lots one through three, block six, and lots one and two, and block seven. Villages at South Point on approximately 54.39 acres located at 1415 South U.S. Highway 287 by Chisholm Flats, LLC, owner-developer, and Hewitt Zollers, Inc., surveyor-engineer. 
um, as a consent agenda. I don't know if any of the commissioners have any comments on this item. Just one question, please, Commissioner. Uh, okay. When they talk about uh, multifamily housing, are we talking about uh, apartments or townhomes going on at that particular plot? Based on, based on the approved zoning for the site, it could be either, uh, but in this case, it is uh, for rent multifamily. Uh, Artie, I just had one question about just the proposed street access along the frontage road. Has that been discussed with TxDOT? Uh, yes, there have been continued discussions with TxDOT on, on all access points. Okay. Move to approve. Second. All right, I have a motion to approve by Vice Chairman Maynard and a second by Commissioner Goodwin. We'll go to a vote. And uh, the motion carries. Next item on the agenda is public hearings. Uh, we have, it looks to be three on here this evening. Start with 22-5130, a zoning change number 23-001. Public hearing continuation on a change of zoning from C2 Community Business District to PD Plan Development District with limited I-1 lot industrial and mini warehouse uses on approximately 9.94 acres out of the William Lynn Survey. Abstract number 984, Tarrant County, Texas, located at 2351, 2361, 2371, 2381, and 2391 North Highway US 287, industrial reserve LLC owner. All right, staff would like to address this case in, uh, just to let the uh, provided the city with a request to withdraw uh, the case. Because the case was listed on the agenda, though, we still have to open a public hearing um, and then vote on that withdrawal request. Motion to approve the withdrawal request. Wait a second, we got a new public hearing. Oh, sorry about that. All right, thank you, Artie. We will open the public hearing at 611. I do not have any public cards for this case. So we will close the public hearing at 612. And open it to commissioner comments. Make a motion to accept the withdrawal of this case. Second. All right, we have a motion from Commissioner Gilmore to withdraw the case and a second by Commissioner Kroll. We'll go to a vote. And the motion carries unanimously. Next item on the, on the public hearing agenda is 22-5113, a zoning change number 22-019. Public hearing continuation on a change of zoning from single family 1222 single family residential district 
and PD plan development district to a PD plan development district for single family attached brownstones and multifamily residential uses on approximately 9.77 acres out of the Henry O'Dell survey, abstract number 1196, Tarrant County, Texas, on property located at 1725 East Broad Street and 257 Carlin Road. Bridgeview Real Estate Owner Developer and Nelson Family Revocable Trust Owner. Take it away, staff. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Good evening, Planning and Zoning Commission. This item was tabled at the last Planning and Zoning Commission meeting, and there have been some revisions to this request. Here's an aerial view of the property. Again, you can see it's generally located to the north of the bulk of the shops at Broad. Here is the current zoning of the property. Part of it is PD, Planned Development District, and the other portion of the property is single-family 1222, which is single-family residential. Just looking at the thoroughfare plan, you can see East Broad Street, Cannon, and how those thoroughfares are identified within that plan. And again, Broad Street being a principal arterial and Cannon being a major collector. Just some images of the property just to kind of acclimate the Planning and Zoning Commission and the public to the site. This was the original proposal, which was a 16.42 acre project. After hearing from the neighboring property owners and hearing from other stakeholders within the community, this original project that came before the Planning and Zoning Commission, it has been revised. And from the previous 16.42 acres now to the 9.77 acres in front of you, there is tract number one that will consist of the brownstones, and there is tract number two that will consist of the multifamily dwellings. The tract number two, in terms of the existing shops at Broad PD, 330 multifamily dwellings are already entitled. And again, the purpose of this rezoning request is to allow for the construction of 58 additional multifamily dwellings in order to help support an enhanced design for this project. Here is the development plan again, 9.77 acres spread across two tracks. Track number one would contain 24 brownstones and track number two would contain the 388 multifamily dwellings. And again, that would be an increase of 58. In terms of the inspiration for architecture and site design for track number one, as you see to the left on the screen, exhibit C, which has these images in the proposed PD, it includes some features of brownstones and other architectural elements that would help to create a suitable transition aesthetically between the shops at Broad and the surrounding properties. The development standards for Tract 1 not only focus on architecture, they also focus on building frontages and accessing garages from the rear. As part of the proposed PD plan development request, a detailed site plan would be required for Tract 1 to demonstrate compliance with all of those standards 
that are shown there and to ensure consistency with the PD plan development district standards as proposed. And that detailed site plan that's required, it could result in a change that impacts the layout of the brownstones, the alleys, and the open space lots. In terms of track number two, that is dealing with a multifamily building. And if you look at the elevations, these are substantially different than the elevations that are currently provided within the shops at Broad PD, Plant Development District. You can see some of the enhanced architectural features, more architectural detailing as relates to exterior finish materials, as well as cornice lines, projections, recesses, those sorts of things. Uh, the building materials are primarily brick, fiber, cement, and metal panels, and those would be used as shown in Exhibit C2 attached to the proposed PD plant development district. All sides of the building must maintain architectural continuity and detailing, and that ensures four-sided architectural design, and the rooftop mechanical equipment must be screened from view, which is also required by ordinance. In terms of the landscaping plan, it has been revised, and you can see some of the enhanced landscaping features. Again, this is subject to change based off the detailed site plan that would be required for track number one. And this is, again, just showing it. I would call your attention to some of the ground floor dwellings here and here, they have door yards, terraces, and other similar architectural features. And part of that is to take off a little bit of what you see at the Sound, which is a mixed-use development in Coppell. And that allows for those units to engage the trail and other private spaces and to create a more active pedestrian environment. In some, the development does offer a mix of housing opportunities. Again, it was intended to provide a transition from the more rural areas along Carlin Road into a more intense commercial district that is the shops abroad. It's also important that this development be sensitive to the Carlin Road neighborhood while contributing uniquely to the mixed-use character originally envisioned at the shops abroad while providing for elevated architectural and urban design standards. Those are supported within this PD plant development district, and it does provide an elevated vision for future development along US Highway 287. In terms of the recommendation, the presence of multifamily residential is generally compatible with the surrounding land uses, and that's due to the existing entitlements within the shops that brought PD plant development district but just because of the fact that the presence is compatible, it still must be integrated into the urban fabric through quality architecture, landscaping, and design. There are a couple of considerations that staff believes to be critical for this project. One is focusing on retaining walls and ensuring that retaining walls be limited to a maximum height of four feet and that the retaining walls shall be made of brick or brick veneer or local stone or local stone veneer and our cap. Secondly, in terms of phasing, that no more than 191 of the 388 total multifamily dwelling units to be constructed on track two be leased or occupied prior to the construction 
and final inspection of all brownstones to be constructed on track number one in accordance with the site plan that is subject to review and approval by the director of planning. And in addition to these two recommendations that are in front of the Planning and Zoning Commission tonight, there are two additional ones that I will also like to bring to the Planning and Zoning Commission's attention based on ongoing conversations with residents in the surrounding area. Those two conditions or recommendations will be a landscaping buffer along the northeastern corner of the property subject to review and approval by the Director of Planning be provided that will provide satisfactory screening along that portion of the property. And the second is a traffic control plan subject to review and approval by the Director of Planning and or the City Engineer and that that plan be approved prior to pulling a permit for construction. And those are the recommendations from staff. I do believe that the applicant is here and has a presentation. The staff will be available for questions should the Planning and Zoning Commission have them. Thank you. All right, thank you. How are you guys? Uh, my name is Drew Guillaume with Bridgeview Real Estate. Address is 4207 Hockey Day in Dallas. Uh, before I start, I have to say this. So I'm an ex-pastor, and having you guys pray before this meeting was encouraging, and I want to encourage you guys not to stop that. And when I was thinking about uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 16, 13, and 14, because in this world, we just have such a crazy culture war, and people are going to be coming after you all the time and wanting you to stop that. And what that scripture says is that we are to stand firm in our faith, right, that we are to uh, be act like men, be men of courage, be strong, be, and, and be on our guard, and that everything that we do and do in love. So when that happens, if it's happening now, I encourage you to just to continue to, uh, to be strong. Uh, and when it does happen, I just encourage you guys to continue standing strong in your faith. So I always feel that if we want to change this world, we got to start locally. So thank you guys for doing that. Uh, but now on to the project. Uh, Jason touched a lot on the deal. Uh, but I'm going to go through a couple of things um, just to kind of show you what we're trying to do here. And I want you guys to understand that what we've designed here is by far the best multifamily development in Mansfield and really probably in a 20-mile radius. There's not going to be anything that matches the architecture, the luxury, the finishes, or anything that we're doing um, in comparison to what we're doing here. So, um, and the other thing is, is that what we feel, this will be the first wrap apartment, I believe, in Mansfield. I know that there's another one in, in development. But what this does for the city in terms of land use, that you guys get to raise the, the value of multifamily land probably tenfold, where you've got the same taxes, tax basis on a five-acre piece of land that you would on a 20 or 30-acre piece of land, because you're changing the density. And there are many municipalities throughout Texas that are doing this uh, to, to create higher quality developments. Leander, Cedar Park, they have moratoriums in that city that, that you can't do any multifamily that is um, under 50 units to the acre, which requires structured parking, which requires higher rent, and it requires a higher level of development. 
So we really feel that, that what we're designing here is something great for the city in, in the future. And you guys will have to excuse me. I came in here with printed notes. They're gone. So I'm going to have to read off my phone here, and I'll do the best that I can. Uh, but just to talk a little bit about who we are, um, Bridgeview Real Estate, we are not associated with the developer shops abroad. We bought the multifamily piece, and, and we have nothing to do with that development. But we are vertically integrated. We do development, all sorts of different types of real estate. We have our own construction company. We have our own property management company. We also have our own capital company. And the reason why we do that is because when we come to places like this and we're working with these with cities and understanding what you guys are looking for and what you need, when we control all these aspects, we control quality and, and we control delivering what we're saying that we're going to deliver without some sort of institutional equity telling us what we can and can't do. Um, so he already went through the, uh, the, the zoning, the market data, but you guys know this, right? The population growth in this 2020 census went up by 20%. You, you guys have multifamily occupancy rates that are greater than 95%. This is an incredibly diverse and dynamic and desirable area to live. The, the median family income is, is large and your new single family homes are selling for over $600,000. I mean, people want to be here and gotta have rooftops in order to do that. So. Uh, what I do want to point out that, uh, that I'm not sure Jason did, if he did, please forgive me for being repetitive, but as you can see from, from the site plan here, this, I don't know, does this work as a mouse too? Um, but these are individually platted brownstones, and so this is a uh, project that is for sale. He went through the, the history of what we wanted to do in, in creating more rooftops over there. Unfortunately, we weren't able to extend the contract on that northern parcel of land, so we have still want to fulfill our commitment that we've made to staff that, that yes, we want to provide some for sale product there. And so we are continuing on with the Nelson Family Trust land and providing the, the 24 townhomes there. Um, so what we're doing here in these elevations is these are, a lot of these are not normal building materials. These, the, the rust color that you see there is like an ACM panel. It's a metal panel, custom manufactured, making sure that these rich colors that, that we're showing you guys are, are what we're gonna do. And I know that, that that happens a lot with multifamily, that people will come in and say that they're gonna do one thing and do something different, which is why we're doing the PD, which is why we're making the agreements with staff that that what we're showing you guys is in the PD, what we have to provide, and that we cannot deviate from that. And so, as you can see, this is the elevation, um, section A, if you can see that, I'm sorry, I wish that this was a mouse and I could um, point it out, but as you're, as you're driving up the private road from the shops abroad, you can see that we've got a blade sign there hanging off the, the building that is creating just a different feel for the area. And one of the things that, that helps developments like shops abroad and getting more commercial developments is density, right? This is, this is a missing piece of the puzzle for that whole area. And this, <clears throat> excuse me, this um, triggers other things in the uh, development agreement like the pavilion and things like that, that that will get more development going on in this area. The other thing that, uh, that, that I want to point out is that this is the back side of the building. This, this is what faces the trail. This faces north. 
And so a lot of times in multifamily, we try and save money by putting up lap siding or cheaper materials on the backside of stuff that people don't see. We are continuing this, this incredible design all the way around the building, not just on the front side. So as people are walking down the trail, this is what they're gonna see. And this is these little pocket parks that he was talking about on the other side. So we have a fire lane that goes all the way around the site. And on the east side of the building, it is basically, it's still a fire lane, but it's grasscrete or geogrid, something that we can still plant grass and that, um, but that a fire truck can drive over. And part of that is, is that we're creating a different environment on this side of the, bu on this side of the building where you have these pocket parks and the residents, their, their uh, first floor balconies will go straight to that area. There'll be nice landscaping, probably some, some furniture out there for those people over there. But this is a quiet area where there's not gonna be traffic driving down this section uh, to, um, I'm not gonna say disturb the neighbors, but it's gonna remain quiet. It's also gonna help that even though that that is a fire lane, it is grass creek. It is blocked off for public access, so residents won't be using it, the public can't use it, and that's gonna keep some of that traffic from coming across the building or going down through the Shops at Broad parking lot over to Carlin. Our site plan designs is designed in a way that all the traffic is supposed to move to the west, to the Shops at Broad private, uh, private drive, or to uh, 287 Frontage Road. And then this is an elevation in the garage. This, this will be pretty much hidden by, uh, the majority will be hidden by the Star Center. We're still working with the architect as to what kind of screening that we're gonna do on this garage, whether it's gonna be a, a screen with some, some vegetation on it or something, but with this design right now, just to show you guys the, the magnitude of the garage size. Okay, so we have two courtyards in this building. And typically when you have a building like this, you'll have a pool in one and then you'll have kind of an open area in the other. And what we've done is that we have two pools. And the whole idea of what we did with this development is how do you create the sense of community, right? This is somebody's home. This isn't just an apartment. And so what we wanna do is that we're designing in a way that is creating some connectivity from the outside of the building to the inside of the building, which I'll get into in a minute, and then to the courtyards. And everything is designed in a way that the residents are not necessarily by themselves, but that they're always connected to other people that, that, that are in the apartment building. Whereas if you're on a garden apartment, these buildings are spread across all over the place. People aren't using the, the clubhouses because it's too far to walk. This is something that keeps everybody close by. And so, the picture on the bottom right there, that is the secondary um, clubhouse. And you can see on one of those images that the, that the design is that that's gonna kind of look like it's gonna cantilever out into that area, the building will. And then the pool kind of wraps around that area. And that's where our fitness center will be. We have a sports bar over there, which I'll show you here in a second. And then we also have another uh, private party room that the residences can use. Um, and these are uh, the interior design inspirations. And so when I talk about the sense of community, one of the things that we asked our designers to do is we asked them to go to specific places throughout the Metroplex and say, this is not necessarily the design intent that we want, but we want what's happening in, the, in those lobbies, in those courtyards, in those coffee shops. 
So one of the places that we sent him to was the Drover Hotel in Fort Worth, and that's probably the most active hotel lobby I've ever been in. And you can be on one part of the lobby and you can have a nice private conversation or you can go over somewhere else in the lobby and have a drink with your friends. But that is a, a very, very active space. The other place that we asked him to go to was a coffee shop, which I would say is the best coffee shop in the city of Dallas, and it's Watermark Coffee, which is Watermark Community Church. And I said, don't look at the design, look at what's happening in that space. And it's the furniture, and it's always filled with people. They're either having social conversations, they're having business conversations, they're having serious conversations, and, and it is this active space, and you feel like you're in a sense of community in there, even though maybe you don't know any of those people. And so that everything that we've done on the inside and the outside of the building has that in mind as to how do we connect the people within the development and then how do we connect it to all the commercial retail outside the development. Um, these are other interior design inspirations and so this is the club, uh, the main clubhouse. And when I talk about making connections with people, I want you to kind of look that if you look at that center corridor in the center of that drawing, you'll see little boxes on the wall. Those boxes that are scattered throughout the clubhouse are actually the mailboxes. And everything, even though it looks like a wall, maybe it's a glass wall, maybe it's a low wall, but the whole idea is, is that people can collect in this area, they can see their friends going and getting their mail, they're constantly walking around making those uh, quick connections to, uh, to people within the development. And then the same thing in the second courtyard. You have your fitness area that's connected to the sports bar, that's connected to the private party room, that's got the pool all the way around it. There's this natural connection to people. Things aren't closed off and kept away from each other. It's, it's more open to where people can connect with one another. So our unit finishes are elegant, but they're very simple. Colors are blacks, whites, grays. It's very clean, it's very sleek, it's very classic. Everything that we're doing here are timeless designs that we don't want people to come back in 20 years and go, oh, that's so 2020, right? We wanna be able to look into this building, walk into this building 20 years from now, 30 years from now, and feel still the same wonderful class and elegance of when, when we first built it. And then these are examples of, of bathroom finishes here as well. And so again, you know, with this uh, multifamily piece, I mean, this, this changes things that are going on in the city, right? The, the tax basis that this generates on seven acres is somewhere like a million to a million three versus the same multifamily development on 20 acres that's generating the same tax basis. And so we feel 100% confident that this deal is gonna work and it's gonna work really well. And it's got higher rents, it's gonna be attracting higher net worth individuals that are gonna be spending money in the city. And when those developments happen and when more projects, more in what we call infill projects happen, the developments just get to be nicer. Um, and so along with this, we've got the, uh, excuse me, the brownstones. So with this, uh, as I said, the, these new homes that are being built in Mansfield, you know, they're going for over 600000 which is a great price for a home, right? But not everybody can afford it. And so what we've come up with is a, is a luxury design for the brownstones that can be at a price point of about four hundred to $550,000. And we have, we have, Jason went through the, the, the evolution of the site plans, but part of, 
how this thing got so condensed is that we met with the neighborhood and heard their concerns, and their concerns are traffic, their concerns are drainage, and their concerns are you know, too much multifamily in the area. And so at the time where, where we thought that they were open to, we, we condensed it down to four acres, made single family lots bigger, one acres a piece. There was no pass through that would ever go over to Carlin. Uh, but as I said, unfortunately, we couldn't keep all the land under contract, and so we have condensed it down uh, significantly. And so to really show you the impact of what these brownstones do is this is the image overlay of the neighborhood. And the person that this really affects is Mr. Nelson. And we're, the, the building is about, is over 250 feet away from Mr. Nelson's property. And he is in support of this, and we've already agreed that we're creating a, a, an eight-foot high wall buffer for him. We've purposefully set those buildings back as far as we could away from his property line to give him his, you know, the privacy that he's due. But the next closest neighbor is, um, is Mr. Doty, and, and we're over 750 feet away from his home. I think it's actually closer to 800 feet. And then the owners to the north, we're over 900 feet away from them. We're also at a slightly higher elevation. We're going to be keeping as many of the uh, trees as we can. So line of sight, we believe that nobody's ever going to be able to see uh, this development. The other thing is, is, is drainage. And drainage is a problem over there. Drainage was not caused by us. Drainage was caused because the previous developer didn't do their job and they didn't finish it. But we are here to fix this drainage. And so we have a box culvert that is going to be gathering all the water uh, from shops abroad and it takes it around the multifamily development and then it takes it on the east side of that two acres and puts it back into the natural flow that it was originally. Um, this pond that you see to the north from what I understand has been drying up and it's understandably so because the drainage isn't getting back there. And then you've got other properties that, you know, the developer left these massive hills uh, over there and he's getting too much water. Well, it's totally understandable he's getting too much water because the water flow is being directed towards his property. And so what we're gonna do as part of our development is, is fix that. We've got you know, a, amazing civil engineers that are working on this and doing drainage studies and figuring that out. And look, by, by law, we can't go increase drainage on somebody else's property. And that's already happened by a previous developer. But what we're doing here should be able to fix that. Um, Jason already showed you those inspirations here that we have. Um, but, you know, again, I just want to highlight that, that drainage is an issue. And it was left by the previous developer. We believe that this development is, is going to fix that. This triggers things that are supposed to happen at the shops abroad, like the pavilion. Uh, but it's going to spur a lot more commercial development. There's still empty lots over there that need to be developed. And we've got a, a price point for these brownstone homes that still, you, you're, you're still asking for um, high income individuals to be able to afford them. And so it's not like there's going to be riffraff or anything like that. And then again, just this development alone, you, you're, you're looking at $1.3 million of property tax income just for the city, right? Just for the city. That's the city tax and that's the school tax. And that's based on uh, roughly nine acres of land. And so this gives you guys an opportunity. Your, your rents support higher density developments. They really do. Basically, you need to be at around 
$2 a foot per square foot rent in order to do that. And, and so certainly it's not my decision, it's y'all's, but this really gives you guys an opportunity to change what multifamily development looks like in the city. And so I don't have anything else, but I would love to answer questions. And we also have our civil engineer here if you guys have any, any questions for him. Thank you very much. If we have any questions, we'll bring them okay. back up in the public hearing. Appreciate it. All right, we will uh, open the public hearing at 641. I have a stack of cards here. And we will start with the folks that, that wanted to speak. And um, I think we'll start with Mr. Nelson. Lucky me, I get to be first. <laughs> Thank you, Commission, for the opportunity to speak with you. My name is Steve Nelson. I live at 257 Carlin Road, which the back two acres of me is identified as track number one, where the brownstones are going. A uh, little quick history. I bought my four acres of my property back in 1983. And shortly thereafter, someone wanted to take the field next to me, where the shops are now, meander broad through it, and make a whole bunch of homes over there. That got shot down real quick. Back in 2004, approximately, Big League Dreams was going to be built on the back half of my property, along with the back halves of many of my neighbors. <clears throat> and we fought that quite a bit. During that process, they desired to purchase all of my property, again, to be part of Big League Dreams. Luckily, the neighborhood, both Carlin and around our, our neighboring neighborhoods, vociferously opposed that, and we got it moved down to its current location. About 2008, the first iteration of Shops and Broad were, were planned for that field. And at that time, dealing with the developer, they made an offer, again, on all four of my acres, and I actually had a contract to sell it to them as part of that project. Economy went south, contract went south, so, that completely fell through and I'm still here. Which brings us up to, well, about 2015, the field house, which is currently behind my property, was planned to be at the location where the apartments are currently planned. We brought our case again to P&Z and to the city council and luckily we got it moved to its current location so it was, it was no longer beside me. Then came 2000. 17, when the multifamily was proposed. There was a lot of discussion. I don't remember discussion here in P&Z, but there was a lot of discussions at city council, some of it rather heated, <coughs> of the neighborhood being opposed to basically all the development. But it all got approved, and I'm very pleased to see the quality of the multifamily that is currently planned. We were afraid that it was gonna be lower quality. This stuff makes me very comfortable. Which brings us up to current, when we, the developers have approached me to purchase the back two acres of my property. Again, I am <coughs> on the bleeding edge of the neighborhood between me and the shops abroad and the apartment building. 
So I am, at some point, going to have an apartment building beside my property. I'm glad to see it's going to be high quality. But needless to say, it's going to be right beside my property. When they approached me about purchasing the back half of my property for the brownstones, I saw it as a good compromise. I'm going to have an apartment building beside me. It doesn't affect me anymore to have the brownstones behind me. And in discussion with the developers, we've been talking about a lot about screening walls, screening vegetation, things to minimize its impact on me. So because of that, and at least I'll get something out of it, I am in support of the multifamily and the brownstones. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Nelson. Uh, the next card I have is from Dustin Hart. Hi there. I'm Dustin Harp. I'm at 322 Carlin Road. And I'm here um, to express my concern for changing the, um, the feel of our neighborhood. And I want to Thank you so much for listening to us and taking the time to really think about what each of us as residents have to say. Um, we, we know that the apartment complex is going to go in. It means a lot to us that we have high quality there. Um, but of course, the more apartments, the more impact possibly on our community and our neighborhood. Um, I would prefer that there is nothing other than the apartment complex, and the smaller the better for my neighborhood, I feel. But, um, you know, if, if there are decisions to, to increase the, um, the capacity of the apartments so that they can be higher quality, um, I certainly understand that. Personally, I... I don't trust a lot of this system because I've heard about, oh, you know, what Shops on Broad was supposed to be and what it ended up being. So it's really concerning for us as neighbors and community members to hear promises about how um, a development will turn out um, when, when there is um, precedent set that it doesn't always turn out the way we're told it will be turned out. Um, so. I'm not sure what to do about that, but I just want you to know that that's a concern, a concern of mine and some of my neighbors. Uh, in terms of the smaller space um, and the brownstones, again, I would prefer we keep it at what, we, what the original um, plan was. However, I understand your position completely and the impact on someone, a person, and, and their property. Um, so I just hope you'll take all of our consider concerns into consideration, and I thank you for listening. Thank you. Next, I have Amanda Stuckey. Stuckey? Did I get it right this time? <laughs> Hi, I'm Amanda Stuckey. I live at 333 Carlin Road. Thank you guys so much for hearing our concerns. Um, as has already been discussed, there has been some impacts on the drainage already from the failed 
uh, shops that bribe people at following through on what they were supposed to do for the drainage. And so uh, we're requesting that we have an outside third party look at the drainage as it currently is because anything that has previously been planned or looked at is no longer valid because those things have already been changed um, and have been damaged in the two years that the Shops Abroad has been there and not done its duty to take care of that drainage. And so just getting on site somebody to look at that and actually do a study again in real time is super important to us. Um, and then traffic concerns, we're, we were already, we're already having issues with people cutting through by the Star Center onto Carlin to access Cannon. Um, they travel too fast down the road and uh, they don't realize that it's a dead end. So half of them are taking a left, trying to get back around to 287 or down to what they think they can get to Country Club or wherever. And so it's just causing a lot of increased traffic on a road that's not well maintained by the city to begin with. Um, and so if we're adding an additional 58 units of multifamily plus 24 brownstones, we're just adding a whole lot more traffic and so request would be that a traffic study is done and some sort of uh, maintenance to slow or deter traffic from Carlin would be instigated. Uh, I know that we're saying that all traffic is supposed to go west, but uh, you look at it and it's not going to. Like, it, it's just not. They don't do it now. They come out of that home. They come out of the Star Center. They come out of the field house and they go to Carlin. So. Uh, a traffic study would be prudent right now. I think there's too much traffic going to Carlin, and so you add all of that, it's going to be way worse. Um, it sounds like they're going to address the landscaping that they had told us they might not be doing, but um, we have also had some wishy-washy uh, between the developer and the city, we're not getting uh, straight answers and getting a little bit of pressure to uh, back the 58 units so that it will be more high developed. And so um, that has been a not great experience. And we have had no discussion with the developer since the original planning and zoning meeting that it was tabled at. Um, he also said that it triggers the pavilion, and last we heard from the city that is an inaccurate statement. And so I don't know where we are with that, but um, the city told us that, that the multifamily going in does not trigger any sort of uh, pavilion construction. So we're just concerned about the impact it will have, uh, traffic, drainage, and just a whole bunch more people, and we just have not, um, done full due diligence to figure out how that will impact um, the neighborhood. Thank you guys. Thank you. Next card I have, and I'm, I'm gonna butcher your last name and I apologize. So I'm just gonna say Nicole Z. My name is Nicole Zaytoun. I'm at 321 Carlin Road. Appreciate your time and attention. Um, as I mentioned at the January 3rd meeting, I was kind of voluntold appointed by the neighborhood to be a liaison between the city, the developer, and the neighbors to kind of communicate this project. And once again, I want to um, share everyone's feedback 
And just to be fully transparent, um, I also own and operate multifamily. So um, I, I understand this business and I understand the impacts of multifamily. Um, and I know that as, as Meansville grows, there needs to be a variety of housing options for folks and all sorts of price points with different lifestyles. Um, and I know that the shops of Broad Street would greatly develop from having multifamily in the development, and it should have been the first thing to go and not one of the last things. I think it would have dramatically changed where we are today. Um, but that being said, and I know this is not up for discussion, but the location of the multifamily within the development is hugely flawed because it's at the back. It doesn't allow for walkability. You can't walk to 54th Street from this proposed development, so folks are still gonna have to get in cars to get wherever they want to within the shops of Broad Street. And, and because of where we feel like this is located, we just wanna mitigate whatever impacts that it has on us. And we also know that there's plenty of undeveloped land within the shops at Broad Street, and a lot of it's being eyed for multifamily as well. So this isn't the only project that's gonna impact us in the next few years. Um, we think that having three to four story structures, including the townhomes, is not a good step down between this multi-acreage home sites that we have. Um, there's lots of other areas in Mansfield uh, where you have well-established neighborhoods without the protection of HOAs that could fall vulnerable to this. Can you imagine having a three-story townhome on Clover Hill and Walnut Creek? It's right next to commercial development, but you have a well-established neighborhood there. How would that fit in and how would that be received by those neighbors? And if you, you start down this path where you're going into well-established neighborhoods and carving out homes, um, in order to be sold for high density, it just starts a slippery slope in Mansfield, we think, with how development could be perceived. And I know there's a lot of talk with regards to land use, what that's going to look like. There's only 25% of land yet left. We really wanna be um, thoughtful about um, our approach there and how we use and reuse uh, land. Um, the developers presented to us a beautiful Class A development, um, it looks great, but we were also told that if we didn't support the additional 58 units from the proposed, um, the, that they gave you, that they would lower the quality of the finish out or that they would look into low income tax credits. Um, we feel like both these options would significantly um, alter the development and the shops at Broad Street. And we just really don't appreciate being put in that position where we feel like we have to either support something that we don't really support or kind of be threatened with an undesirable alternative. Um, additionally, concerns that were brought up regarding drainage, um, we appreciate the developer bringing that up, but our most important concern, and it's not a huge cost for the developers to have somebody physically go out there and see the drainage. As proposed right now, the drainage plan can be reviewed and put together by someone who has never visited our site. Therefore, they would not see the impacts of the neglect of the current shops at Broad Street, how that has impacted our neighborhood. That wouldn't show up on these drainage maps. People wouldn't be able to see it. We're asking for someone to go out there and physically see it and see the land and how it's affected the ponds going downstream to, to Walnut Creek. That's really important to us and it's minimal cost and the overall cost of the entire development. Um, we understand that there's gonna be um, a traffic control study, hopefully, and so we're really looking forward to that. We want that in place before there's a CO. We would like that included in the PD. Um, there's already traffic, traffic concerns there, so adding another 400 households, 800 plus drivers a day, in and out, in and out, it's too late by the time that people are already in there um, to, to put a plan together. We know that the plan needs to be impl implemented by the time there's a CO for multifamily and folks are starting to live there. Um, 
appreciate that the trees, thank you, Mr. Alexander, for talking about the trees and the screening. We appreciate that in order just to minimize some of the impacts and, and provide some additional screening. Um, and once again, we were also told by the city that the multifamily development does not trigger a pavilion project within the Shops of Broad development. So um, we want that to um, be noted as well. Um, so once again, thank you for your time and your consideration. Hearing all our concerns, we're asking that you vote against the current proposal as is and look to amend it with um, our concerns. Thank you. Thank you. Next one I have is Aaron Swap. My name is Aaron Swap, and I'm at the property next to it at 261 Carlin. I thank you all for being here and taking time to hear us. Um, you know, a friend of mine and I, we originally bought that property in anticipation of building like our little dream neighborhood uh, to build a house. and. When we started going down the path, we realized it was more expensive than we thought it would be uh, to develop some at the time, and, and this is a time when, when cost was really high, and still is. So we put it up for sale, and uh, the current developers got under contract, and, and we kind of progressed along with that for a while. Um, eventually the contract ended, and um, we had talked about renegotiating starting again, but there is, as you can tell, um, some resistance to the townhomes and to some of the effect on the neighborhood, and I'll talk about that in a second. But, you know, my friend and I, we both live here and work here, and uh, it just didn't feel right to um, progress and continue on with that project, knowing that these are our neighbors, these are our friends. And so we, uh, we're kind of in a different position now where we have this property and we still want to do something with it to um, hopefully, you know, build our homes again and, and find a way to make that happen. But uh, I look at it from a different perspective and how it might affect our um, our future plans. And the some of the similar concerns are already brought up. We worry about the um, effect on our property values of having um, taller and, and larger structures in this type of neighborhood. Um, some of the privacy that may be lost if we uh, build and um, near that back end. And also the drainage that's been brought up, I feel like our property might be affected most just in that it's the direct path to that next pond. Um, and one of the reasons why we didn't build it in the first place is, is that the cost of just analyzing and dealing with the drainage, and I fear that that will only be worsened. Um, now, if you've ever been down this, this road, I mean, it's amazing down there. It's like, you know, you drive around here, it's a big city. If you get on that road, it feels like you're in like a different place altogether. It's like you're in the country, it's very beautiful. And as was mentioned, we worry about some of these structures taking away from some of that beauty that has been hard to keep in Mansfield and, and it's been very fortunate that, that this still exists. And, um, you know, I'm not opposed to development. I do like money. You know, it was hard to, to not move forward with that project. But I, um, I just felt like it was the right thing to do. And for this part of the city, um, I feel like there, you know, the apartment's already zoned for that. But to increase it, um, I think, would take away from some of that 
I guess, magic or beauty that's there. And uh, keeping the same zoning is, is what it is, but maybe increasing it would bring some of the things that Nicole already mentioned. And um, I think that's it. So if you have any questions for me, just let me know. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, next card I have is from Brad Lipscomb. Hello, I'm Brad Lipscomb, 319 Carlin Road. Thanks for listening to us. Uh, I don't want to repeat everything, but what everybody's saying, well, I think we're all pretty much on the, the same page. We'd rather the apartment complex wasn't there, but it is. And if it's going to be there, we want it to be the best quality that we can get. And my understanding is from the developer, they need the additional 88 units to put in a Class A property. If that's the case, then we're I am for it. Um, the town, the townhomes, and I know it helps Steve out if he can get that put in there. You know, we'd rather not have that, but having the 24 is a lot better than what we had before with that whole strip going all the way down to Carlin Road. Uh, so that's a, that's a lot better option. Uh, I was glad to hear they talked about the traffic. We definitely need to address the traffic and the drainage. I know the city engineers say that it's fine. It's not fine. I've lived there for 25 years, and I do not get as much. I'm on the side that has one of the ponds, and we do not get as much water on that side of the road as what we got before they built the shops. So I think it's gotten diverted to the other side of Carlin and back across the, uh, the road there and go back in behind the other direction because it's not coming down to our ponds. Uh, and there's four ponds along there that rely on that that stay full year round and they rely on it to support the light, the wildlife in there. So like Nicole was saying, we need to get that independent assessment done because the city said it, it's fine and it's, it's not, it has definitely changed from what it was before. So thank you. Thank you. Uh, next card I have is from Gino Finoglio. My name is Gino Finoglio, 316 Carlin Road. Um, Mr. Chairman, you do a better job of pronouncing my last name than the former mayor ever did. It took him four tries and I finally gave up on him. Um, thanks again, like everyone said, for you guys putting in your time. Uh, for listening to us. Um, I don't know if there's a mission statement that exists for the prop, uh, um, uh, planning and zoning. I think if it did, it would include something in there that you as a group would want to do the best thing possible for the entire city of Mansfield. I may be wrong about that, but I think it would be in there. Um, just as review, and I think Steve did a good job of telling you where this whole area has been over the last few years. But when the apartments were brought up as part of the shops abroad, and I was one of many that spoke to the um, planning and zoning at that time, and uh, said that, you know, if they want to do the shops abroad, fine, but it's not a good place for apartments because of the effect, um, of it, which every, the same effects are today now that were then. It just wasn't a good place for apartments. At that time, I think it was five to three, if there's eight of them, something like that that the um, planning and zoning voted to 
it is okay for the shops abroad to be approved, but without the apartments. See what the city council did anyway. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, to where we are now, um, by the way, you know, if I was looking for an apartment, which I'm not, your presentation, Drew, was fantastic. I mean, but there's nobody here looking for apartments, I don't think. They're beautiful. I, you know, I can't, you know, they are really, want, they're first class. They're class A. I just don't think this is the right place for them. And a lot of other people think, feel the same way. Um, Joe Zlomoninsky is a friend of mine. And he and I were talking about all this at one point in time, and he said, no one wants to mess with Carlin Road, Paul's, Paul Road. He said, that's a jewel that we can't replace and we can't duplicate in the city of Mansfield. He said, you've got high dollar homes on multi-acreages. He says, it's a little bit of the country right in the middle of Mansfield. He said, you can't replace it. We don't want to mess with that. Here we are. I mean, and before I forget, there was nothing in the city staff thing about drainage, not a word. And that's very important to all of us. Drew brought it up, but it's not in your presentation. So I don't know where the discrepancy is. But the, the, the it, it's, you know, it is a jewel. I don't know if any of you have driven down there or not. I mean, it is, it's like a little piece of the country. Everybody maintains their properties well. Um, and that's why we moved there 20 some years ago. Um, so. It's, it's gonna affect our property values. What you're looking at there is what I call the start of the domino theory, okay? Somebody can come in, you build the towns, townhomes, and somebody comes in and offers Mr. Swoop money and he takes it. It's just a domino theory and that Carlin Road that we have is gonna disappear. That jewel that Joe Zmolinski referred to will be gone and you can't duplicate it. Um, so that's one of our concerns. Um, I, I only invite you to go out to Broad Street about any time of the day in that area and see the tra traffic mess we're gonna have. We have it now. In the evenings, they're lined up all the way past um, Cannon Street trying to turn right onto 287. That's how bad that is right there. If you look on the other side, people getting off 287 to go either way on Broad Street and they're lined up all the way out into 287. Just an accident waiting for a place to happen. And I've been told by those that know, Broad Street cannot be widened anymore. So when you add HEB in here, it's gonna get even worse, I would believe. Quite a bit worse, because I know every HEB store I've ever been by is always busy and very crowded. Um, following up on what Drew said, um, I'm not a minister or a previous minister either. But I would hope that in considering what, you know, follow the, the money trail. Who's gonna um, benefit by this development? The developer and the city coffers for tax revenue. Beyond that, there's no other buddy, nobody else in the list. The people at large in Mansfield are not gonna benefit anything from this development. Yeah, it might have a little effect on the shops abroad in the future, but immediately it's not gonna be anything more than a traffic headache. It's gonna be a burden on Brown Elementary. It's gonna be more on our city services. Um, it, it, it's just a lot more people in a very small area. It, you know what it creates. I'm not saying people that in, that, in apartments are bad people. It just creates more of an environment that, you know, if people like me get old, 
and you were calling the 911 into a place where there's you know 388 apartments. So I, I don't know that it's, it's it's of advantage to the people of the city at a whole to put this complex in here. My wife and I were walking on the trail one night and some people came by with dogs. We're dog people, so we started up a conversation. They lived on Wisteria on the other side of, I'm turning around here, but on the other side of 287. They were walking their dogs clear over here. And they said, it's so nice over here. And I said, well, you know what's going on here? And I pointed it in. They said, no, it's, what's going in there? And I said, apartments. They said, oh my God, excuse the French, I'm quoting. He said, we don't need any more apartments. More apartments, are you kidding? And they just lived a few blocks away from this development and they were aghast that we were gonna be putting in apartments there as a city, putting in more apartments. Um, I think if you went out in the street and said, do we need more apartments in Mansfield? People on the street would say, I don't think so, we have plenty. I mean, you look everywhere, that's what's going up. I understand, I understand, because I've talked to Joe about the, how it affects the city revenue. No doubt it helps, but put the complex someplace else. It's a beautiful idea, it's just the wrong place. So I ask you, in line of doing what's right by your faith and by your conscience, to go, it's already gonna be there. Have the developers develop it the way it was originally zoned. They should have done it right away when they bought the property. 333 units, their, prof, their model then said it was gonna work. It's not my fault, it's not our fault. The prices have gone up and COVID hit and everything else. Now they want us to cover their added expenses so it makes it good for them. I don't think that's quite fair. Don't hold us hostage by saying we need 58 more. I'm gonna give you the 58 more, but leave the townhouses alone. I don't wanna start the domino theory that you can see right there when they start buying tracts of land that it, just accumulate over the years is gonna get into Carlin Road. I plan on being here a lot. So anyway, but thank you for your time. Consider it as if it was in your neighborhood. And if, if men of faith and women of faith, you know, do what you think's right for the people at not just Carlin Road, not just Road or, and Paul Road, but what's good for the whole city. How is this development helping the people at large? And I think your answer is, overall, it's not gonna do a whole lot very quick. It's a good development, just my plan is, you know, go someplace else with it. So again, I'd give them the 388s, but the small track, and I'm sorry, Steve, I'm not supporting you. The small track that has two acres, cut that off and let them build the apartments if we have to. I'd rather not build anything, but I know it's already zoned that way. So, um, track one, I think it's track one. Sorry, Steve. Um, excuse that off, take it off, and give them the, the 330 that they originally planned for. Let them design it the way they had originally bought it for, and the cost fall in their laps, not ours. Thank you for your time. Appreciate you. God bless y'all. Thank you. I have one more speaker. Yes, I think I have two. Um, Kathy. I gave it one attempt. I got close, he said. It's Manolio. Kathy Pinolio, and I live at 316 Carlin Road with Gino for over 50 years. We have been married, so I appreciate you all uh, being here. I know this is a tough job. In life, we all have decisions that have to be made, and 
those decisions always have pros and cons, ups and downs, downsides, upsides, and this is definitely one of them. Yes, more apartments means more revenue for Mansfield. However, that was one of the um, things that we heard when they did the shops at Broad, and now that developer has gone bankrupt. Um, more apartments, and we have heard from you tonight to establish more foot traffic for the struggling shopping area. That is not a pedestrian friendly shopping area. That was the picture. We had beautiful pictures of what that was supposed to be when it was brought forward. Uh, it's nothing like the Highlands in Arlington or the shopping area in Cedar Hill, which is what it was painted to be. And the pictures supported that. It's nothing like that. More apartments, more traffic, more congestion. Um, someone's already spoken about the traffic that comes alongside uh, the south side of the Star Center and comes on to Carlin Road. Uh, Carlin Road, as you know, is a dead end with a cul-de-sac. We have cars that come racing down that road and um, they find out they can't get anywhere. And so then they go racing back up the road. Um, getting out onto Cannon, I'm a school teacher and so I leave early in the morning. I leave 30 minutes early so that I can make a left-hand turn to get out on Cannon because of all the traffic that's there already. You're gonna add 388 apartments, just one car, that's almost 400 more cards, and then put the townhomes on top of it. As someone already said, those cars are not going to be going west from those apartments. They're gonna come across the backside of the Star Center out to Carlin because it's a shortcut, and then we have a mess there. And if they do go out to Broad Street, Oh my goodness, that is a traffic nightmare at many times during the day. So we have congestion. One of the things that I looked up in preparation for this evening was um, there is an, I don't know if you call it an ordinance, but it is, um, let me find it here because I've kind of gotten off my notes. But it is on the books, and it is that new developments have to not interfere with the welfare of the community. You've heard about the drainage issue. My neighbor across the street has so much erosion in her backyard, she doesn't know what to do with it. And it's been caused by this drainage issue that they said they would fix, and they never did. They made it worse. Um, the general welfare of the community, um, the traffic, the congestion. Um, more apartments does not necessarily mean that we're gonna have more affordable housing for people here in our community, which I would think would be something that our community would be interested in. Uh, we even have a council member who left his apartment because they raised the rent again and he found it more economic to buy a house and renovate it than to pay the increase in the price of the apartments. Um, 
again, lowering of our uh, land values and our home values that we have all lived here at least 25 years, most of us. And we've paid our taxes, we've been good citizens, we've been good community members, and now we're gonna be penalized um, so that we can have this um, structure. More apartments. That decision lies with you and the city council. And yes, it means more revenue for the city, but my question is, is that revenue worth more traffic congestion that cannot be remedied, more stress on our infrastructure, more crowding of our schools that already have three or four temporary buildings in the back of them, more becoming a city controlled by developers that live and work in other cities and investors that don't even live in Texas, less quality of life for the citizens of our city as it becomes more congested with traffic, more transient population that stresses our infrastructure, our schools, our emergency services, creates drainage and soil erosion and directly affects the health and safety and quality of life for the citizens of Mansfield. Thank you. Thank you. I think the three remaining cards I have are from the developer side. Um, we've heard from, uh, from Drew, got his card for speaker. Um, Steve May, non-speaker support. And then Michael Westfall as part of the, the engineering group for the developer. So those were the remaining cards I have for this case. Yes, sir. Can you bring your card up to the planning secretary? My name is Greg Kanasik. I'm at 405 Carlin Road. I, uh, I delayed my, my card. I didn't want to take any more of your time unnecessarily, but I had a couple of points I wanted to add to um, that have already been uh, brought up, but I just wanted to uh, put a little, little different angle on it for you to consider. Um, so yes, uh, Nicole has been our um, point of contact, uh, just trying to um, make this as uh, efficient as we could. And the communication has apparently stopped uh, with the developer in the neighborhood. So in my mind, that kind of raised a red flag. Why would the communications be cut off? Um, the, uh, the other two things, the, the big items that have brought up, drainage and the traffic. So the last developer that owned this property left us with the, the problems that we have today. So just, you know, our ask was to have an independent third party review the engineering plans. Um, and I think that's a very, very small ask to be included into the, uh, the PD. Um, I believe it would be maybe recommendations on your behalf to council. So I would really appreciate if we could include that. Also the, the traffic. Um, so there's, and I can see on this picture, 
you know, acreage, maybe 20, and, and then out there uh, fronting broad, there's at least 20 acres there, and not to mention some of the other space still over on the, further on the west side of the development. <clears throat> if, if what has been reported is true, that there has been no traffic study done to date, uh, again, I think a really, really small ask uh, to be included in this PD. If, and I know we're just talking about this, but from your vantage point, I would think that some broader awareness of the finish out and the, um, the capacity already, the, uh, I don't know if that's called Stars Way or whatever, the road that goes over there to Carlin. And yes, there is a lot of uh, traffic jam and backup now uh, from Carlin on to Cannon. So um, if you um, could please, when, when you guys have your discussion, call the developer back up and, and ask these, since our, our discussions have been cut off for whatever reason, and, and it may be innocent, I, I don't know, but I think we would all benefit in being in the same room, hearing the same thing at the same time uh, in terms of the, the traffic and the drainage. In the uh, <clears throat> staff summary presentation that we heard at the beginning of this hearing, uh, the summary stated that, that the developer had been sensitive to the uh, adjoining neighborhood. Now, back in November and December, when we initially uh, started these conversations, we had a lot of input with the developer. Again, it's been stopped for whatever reason, so being sensitive to the neighborhood, I'm not sure how we get there if we're not communicating with the developer. So. Um, I'm hoping when you guys have your discussion and call the developer back up that we can address some of these points. Thank you. Thank you. Any other citizen comments on this case? All right, we will close the public hearing at 7.23 and open it to commissioner comments. I'll take a shot if I can. Uh, first question is for uh, staff. If I'm not mistaken, if, if my geography is right, that planned footprint includes about three quarters of a mile of new trail that the Parks and Rec put in back behind there that runs parallel to Carlin Way and then back down to the ball fields. What happens to that, since that was done at taxpayer's expense, what, what happens to that if you have to pull that back up for the, for the development? Yeah, the trail runs through there and then goes off to Carlin. Um, it's gonna stay in place. It's a park trail, it's dedicated, it's actually part of their buffer yard. If you look at the landscape plan, you'll see a 70-foot uh, landscape buffer and that is part of it. One of the things they'll have to do is dedicate an easement so that it has a proper legal uh, ability to stay. Um, the trail, as you know, is already there. They've already fenced off Mr. Nelson's property um, and it's got the usual park markers and everything else. So it'll stay just like it is. 
Thank you. Uh, and then my next question, I guess, is more of a statement, but I know for the years that we've been sitting on this panel, and, and you should know every one of us is a resident of Mansfield as well, I think there's general concern about the saturation of um, multifamily housing, you know, especially when we look at the concentration running from Matlock all the way up to 287 frontage with the townhomes that are gonna go in there, the new apartments, this potential project. Uh, and we have, I think we have a minimum requirement to do a, a comprehensive traffic study to find out if this makes sense given the volume of traffic that we certainly know is gonna flow through there and the obvious concerns of, of every resident that talks about being out on Broad Street, it's a, it's a difficult endeavor. Uh, I'm coming up on my 10th year here and it used to be a pleasant drive and now it's, it's become quite cumbersome, oftentimes leading me just to stay home and opt out of the trip. So um, I, I hope that we, we do seriously consider a traffic study uh, and an independent third party um, because I, I spend quite a bit of time back in that area. It's a, it's a beautiful area and I, I can certainly see the erosion that's taken place over the last couple of years as valid concerns. Uh, and that's all I have over to whoever's next. Thank you. I guess one comment of clarification from staff. Uh, so you have the recommendations here. Is it, did I mishear or, or is it just not listed that you did recommend a traffic study be doing? Okay, just wanted to clarify that. So I do have a couple quick questions. Um, <clears throat> number one, did I understand correctly from the developer that they're looking at roughly $2 square foot rents for these units? That's correct? Okay. Um, so the other questions I have are, there's been some discussion from both sides about a pavilion. I was not on this, this commission whenever this whole project was approved. W what is the discussion of the pavilion? Does anybody know about that? Can you shed some light on this? <clears throat> I don't think staff is aware of that. Commissioner Gilmore, that might be in some other conversations about the mm -hmm. pavilion, perhaps in an economic development incentive agreement. I'm not sure, but that's certainly something that we can look into to clarify. Okay. I mean, I know that this, this the multifamily was approved as part of this whole plan development with the intention of creating a more urban walkable area and a more pedestrian-centered shopping area. What other developments, um, mainly for the developer, uh, have you seen or can you reference that are upwards of 50 units per acre that this would be similar to? Sure. Uh, I think that, that probably the closest thing in the area would be the stuff that Nehemiah Company did in Arlington. I think they, it used to be called um, I think they now call it the Jefferson, and I don't remember what the other one's called, but they did a PD, uh, their wrap high-density apartments that are around retail. Uh, but really, when you start looking at projects like this, you can go all over Dallas, you can go all over Fort Worth in any of the, the major suburbs, and this is the, the type of product, either that or it's gonna be subterranean parking where that's gonna be even more units per acre um, where, where there's gonna be commercial development around it. Okay, and so the additional 58 units that are being requested are specifically for the Tract 2, correct? Correct. What is the, the purpose behind the additions of Tract 1? The, 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 the purpose for those was really uh, through conversations that we had had with people in the city 
of wanting rooftops. And the other thing was, is creating some sort of a, a better buffer than having the apartments and then the land. That this would, that this would be a more uh, transition into the neighborhood versus um, just having the apartments and then nothing else. And part of this land over here is that where Mr. Nelson's land is, because of the way that the drainage was originally, that it flowed across his land, flowed across uh, Mr. Swap's land and into that pond to the north. So that's the natural flow of water. And um, when, when, you, when you do that, it kind of renders that land undevelopable, right? And what we really wanted to do was make that whole, um, it was about eight acres, I believe, to make all of it developable so that we could put a road in there, we could continue the box culvert all the way through and, and get the flow of water back to where it was originally. And so that is, uh, you know, our drainage studies of, of what we've done. And, and look, if I could just clarify a couple of things, I, I am great talking with Nicole in this neighborhood anytime. If the communication stopped, I just kind of felt like we had nothing to talk about. So it is not intentional. Uh, we have not gone silent on you guys, nor do we want to go silent on them. Um, but uh, the, in, in terms of the drainage, the reason why those ponds are drying up is because the previous developer interrupted the flow, the natural flow of what was supposed to be there. And so what we're doing in, in the plan all along in the original PD was to always have that flow uh, go the way that we're designing it. And so it should, it should deal with that. And so those <clears throat> to, to create even more brownstones on that upper acreage of land and then go to four one acre single family lots, we thought was even a better buffer than just doing the 24 brownstones. Uh, it, I think it was about 50 brownstones that we were doing on four acres and then the one acre lots. We thought that was the best buffer for the neighborhood. I mean, personally, I'd love to see the entire 10 acres be just brownstones, but I understand that that doesn't make economic sense for you guys, um, but that's you as a developer. Um, I, I think brownstones definitely have a place, um, and, and especially in a walkable community like this, or hopeful walkable, walkable community. Um, but it just seems like an appendage to this project, um, taking over a piece of land that um, is, is a small, you called you said it correctly infill piece of property but this is a transition from a, a high density down to a, a single family neighborhood um, i don't without just starting to take in a lot of the additional pieces of property that that small transition is not going to be i don't think you're going to achieve the effect that you're looking for there with just those three buildings of brownstones that's just my personal opinion um let's talk about track two the, the 388 units that are requested. Uh, has there been a study, has it been looked at to see what the 333 originally planned units would do to this property and how would that look and how would that affect the entire development? Um, could you, um, I'm not sure, um, how specifically? Um, for instance, uh, buildings D, E, and F, I think I saw, which are on the east side of the development here, um, would those be considered to be three stories instead of four stories to take those units and that, that density down just, just a hair? No, the, the whole building is, is 
four stories to, for, for the 388. So um, when you look at, at metrics of stuff like this on a wrap, you're looking at 50 units to the acre. And with the 330, the way that it was zoned, it was 44 units to the acre. And um, we, didn't, we didn't zone it, right? We, we bought it, uh, but the, the metrics didn't work. And the way that the PD was originally written, uh, there are certain things in that site plan that have to be um, reproduced, right? We have to do certain things that are in that site plan. And so the only way to get it to work economically to be a, a, a full market rate deal and a luxurious apartment at the same time is to increase the density in order to make it work financially. I mean, you're, you're, you're talking about, and you said it, 44 units per acre is originally planned up to the 49 and a half or 50 units per acre. Mm -hmm. That small increase, and you look at it from the overall count, it's about a 17% increase. I couldn't imagine that that small decrease to get back down to the 333 would be such a huge impact to take it from a luxury to a subpar yeah. apartment complex. Yeah, to totally understand. And from a from a high level standpoint, I would agree with you. But when you look at the economics of it, um, there are certain things that that you have to achieve just to be able to get a loan. Right, a certain yield on cost is what they call. And the cost of the garage is so expensive that the only way to spread that cost of the garage is by more units. And, and so that's where, where you start going into projects that get up to 35, sometimes 40 units to the acre is that they're doing tuck under parking, right? The whole idea of getting more units for, for, to the acre is parking. You have to be able to park it. And the, the garage structure is such that the way to the way to get them to work financially is is to increase the the number of units. So it's interesting if you're looking at structured parking, that number always is 50 units to the acre. If you're looking at a podium, which is all elevated concrete, the building is on built on top of that, and then you park underneath that. That number probably two years ago was 80. Today in today's market is probably 95 to 100 units per acre in order to get that to pencil just because of the cost of the concrete. So as originally planned at 44 units an acre, what type of product makes sense for that? Well, 44 units to the acre is really, that's, that's really hard to achieve um, with, because you can't, you, you can't do the structured parking. You have to be able to park it underneath somehow. And so you do have a lot of tuck under parking Usually on deals like that, you're getting a variance on parking as well. So every municipality has their own ratios of parking that you have to meet. And when you're getting to, I've never seen a surface park 44 units to the acre. That's pretty, pretty dense for, for a surface parked deal. It's just site planning. You can't, can't do it. Okay. Uh, I think that answers some of my questions for now. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I have a couple questions for the app before you sit down, but I do yeah. want to address the residents and just commend you for coming out tonight and sharing your concerns. Uh, I happened to, when I moved here, I, I happened to fall on Carlin Road by mistake. Was got kind of got lost. And I will tell you, it is a beautiful area. I can understand why you have concerns about what is happening over in your area over there. And uh, I certainly appreciate you all voicing your concerns tonight. Uh, for the applicant, uh, there were some considerations that 
staff had recommended tonight, uh, there were four of them. I don't know if you recall the four, if I need to repeat them or if you recall what the four were. I, I do. Okay. The, yeah. So I, w I wanted to get your opinion and your thoughts on what you thought about those considerations that they had, uh, had asked for. Sure. Uh, let me deal with the ones, the, uh, the traffic study. I think that that's okay. There was a traffic study done with the original PD. And so you're looking at it with the additional units of 58 units and then 24 row homes. Uh, that's, that's not a problem to do that traffic study. Now, what's happening, I would agree with them that what's happening on that road south of the Star Center, that there are people, you know, listening to them, that there are people speeding up and down that street all the time. We don't own that. Mm -hmm. That's not ours. Uh, but if the city wants us to do something while we're out there, if there's speed bumps or something that, that we can do while we're out there, we're totally happy to do that. Uh, in terms of the third-party drainage review, uh, as through the oh gosh, uh, through the conversations that we've had with Nicole, we're we're willing to have somebody go out there and go look at that. We've we've always said that we were willing to do it. The the interesting thing is is that uh, the civil engineer uh, for the multifamily is Kimley Horn, and there's probably I mean they're the the biggest engineer around. Um, there are a handful of engineering companies like. Kimley Horn and BGE and stuff like that that are big companies, they, you know, yeah, we can go do a third-party review of them. That's fine. But, I mean, they're top-notch. Mm -hmm. And so that's not a problem to go do a, a, a current drainage study and see what's happening. They're right, okay? They're absolutely right that there's a drainage problem over there. So if people in the city are telling them that there's not a drainage problem, it's, it's wrong. If they're... You know, I've talked to Mr. Doty that, that his uh, land didn't flood, and now it floods. And it flooded when they started building all those mounds over there. But, you know, we... Other way around? That's right. I'm sorry. That, uh, yeah, and now he doesn't. Yeah. yeah. So these are things that are going to be addressed, and I do believe that these are things that were always planned to be addressed in the PD. Uh, but then the previous developer never executed on that. And so we're left holding that bag, right? And we're willing to fix it. And that's part of, that's part of our civil engineering design is, is fixing it. One thing that's going to happen is that the previous developer went through the multifamily site and created that sediment basin. So there's a, you know, a mount of Mansfield right next to it. Yeah. When that dirt goes back in there, there's going to be natural water flow that's going to go back to way the, the, the way that it was before. When we create that box culvert that's going to be catching the water at the shops at Broad and take it north and then east and then back north, it's going to be taking all that water that was originally there before the development was and all the uh, stuff from the development and putting it back there. We're going to be increasing the flow back to what it, it, it used to be. Okay. Can you speak to the lease plan that was recommended as well? The, the lease plan? Yeah. Okay, so the, the lease plan, um, we're, we're willing to do that at, through the discussions that we've had with staff. The, the one thing that we want to ask is, can we do certificate of occupancy? And the only reason why we ask that is that with these, these brownstones, we're, we're so far behind the eight ball on that design versus the multifamily design because we move forward with a lot of stuff on the multifamily through conversations that we had with the city. Mm -hmm. That what we have right now 
uh, on, the, on the row homes is basically what you see. We've got the civil, we've got the preliminary utilities, the preliminary drainage, but we haven't started that architecture yet. And what we're concerned about is something is going, like, uh, it, that something could hold up permitting of those row homes, those brownstones that have nothing to do with us that would prevent us from being able to start that. And so what happens with that, with a development like this, is that we have to capitalize them together, right? So it, from, a, uh, from a development standpoint, yes, they are two separate projects, but from a capital standpoint, they have to be one. Because I can't get a loan on, or, or get equity investors on an apartment that are tied to brownstones, so it all has to be done together. And so if that gets delayed, for nothing that we've done, we would like that to be certificate of occupancy because that's still a huge milestone that we have to achieve with our lenders and with our equity partners in order to get that CFO by a certain time. So it, it, it has the same impact on us, but it allows us some flexibility to rent the whole building should something happen with the brownstones. Okay. And, and you then, mentioned uh, the brownstones uh, pricing in the four to five hundred thousand dollar range. What, what's your square footage you're looking at on those? Uh, so the minimum square footage is fifteen hundred, and again, that's that's per the PD. Mm -hmm. I don't that that's the minimum square footage. Since we haven't actually designed those units yet, I couldn't tell you whether they're going to be fifteen hundred or they're going to be minimum eighteen hundred. They're going to be three three and four bedrooms, so you're probably looking. I mean, fifteen hundred would. If we have any two-bedroom units, they would probably be at the 1500 range, but then your three-bedroom units would be 1800 plus, uh, four bedrooms would be 2000 plus. Okay. And we know that you've already have the approval for the 330 units. Yes, you sir. You need the additional 58. Is your position tonight that if you don't get the additional 58, you're still going to build the project at the 330? We, we have to build it. It's just not going to be what I showed you because we can't afford to do that. Um, it... It's just going to be very different. Mm -hmm. uh, the one, can I address one other sure. of the, the stipulations, the four-foot retaining walls? The, I think in general, we're, we're good with that. One of the things that, that we've talked about uh, on the multifamily piece is, you know, if we do retaining walls, then if we have to do retaining walls and it's, you know, bigger than four feet, we could tear it down. Or if they are bigger, maybe there's a grand staircase that would come from the apartments uh, down to the trail that we actually think that that could be a cool thing there but if we're limited to four feet we're not gonna be able to do that the other thing is on the back side of the property of the of the brownstones on the north side I don't I don't fully know the grading there could be some some areas on the northeast side that may be higher than four feet mm -hmm. and in order to uh, if we're limited to four feet then we're gonna to have to tier those walls, which can affect the site plan. Yeah. And, and, and it could also affect where that drainage easement is gonna go. And so we'd, we'd like to be able to do larger walls, but at the end of the day, if, if that is a stipulation that we have to do, then, then that's what we'll have to do. Yeah. And I, th I think we can agree with the, with the residents that uh, all of those tenants are not gonna come out and go west. I mean, they're gonna take that, that road behind the Star Center and they're gonna go in the direction they choose to go in, which in a lot of cases will be out to Carlin Road. Yeah, and, and unless there's something done with that road down there yeah. through that development, I, I would agree with you. Now there's things that we could do on our site, right? We could put, um, 
certain speed bumps or something like that on, in our fire lane if the fire department would let us do that. Um, but I think at the end of the day, if we're working with the city of saying, hey, there's going to be something that we're going to have to do to slow down traffic or to uh, mitigate the traffic over there, we're, we're willing to do that. Okay. All right. I have a question for staff, either Mr. Alexander or Mr. Wright. Uh, one of the concerns that was brought up by the residents is the ability to be able to see that what is presented is going to be delivered. Uh, can you kind of speak to how the city can help to control that as we go forward? Yes, absolutely. So while land use can't really dictate the interior of the buildings, it can dictate the exterior. So within the proposed PD plan development district for this property, for the multifamily, the exterior finished materials are tied to the elevations as shown this evening, and they are referenced as I believe Exhibit C. For the brownstones, those are inspirational images, but even though they are inspira inspirational, they are also attached as exhibits to the PD, and within the PD language, there are standards that would generate a quality of product similar to what was shown tonight. And by that meaning that it deals with exterior finished materials, it deals with roof pitch, it deals with height, it also deals with how those buildings engage civic space, as well as the private streets. Okay, so synopsis, you can really help to keep this under control to make sure that what is being presented is what's gonna be delivered. Correct, if approved. Yeah, okay, great, thank you, sir. Well, one of the things that came up tonight was one of the residents said if he had to write a mission statement for P&Z, what would it be? And, you know, our primary responsibility is the best use of the land. That's what we have to decide as a commission is what is the best use for this particular piece of land. And I think you've heard tonight that the 330 apartment units have already been approved for the property, so we know that apartments are coming in. The beauty of this situation is that the city has a lot of control to help manage this going forward to ensure that what is being presented is what's going to be delivered in that particular area. So just something to think about as you look at this land and what's going to happen with it. There are going to be apartments. They're coming. Would you want the city to have much more control to help to make sure what needs to be delivered is delivered? Or you have a case of where something comes in that it's an inferior product that we really don't want to see on this property. So just something to think about and what we have to think about as we make our decisions tonight. Not rehashing any of the um, specific issues that we've addressed, I do want to say an amen to Commissioner Maynard's last comments. Uh, what I observe here is, uh, I think, in part a failure of communication between the developer and the neighborhood. Um, I see a lot of issues that apparently have not been answered. Uh, perhaps some boots on the ground tours with an engineer out there to actually walk the site. Uh, I'm, I'm not here to make suggestions, but that one just popped in my mind, so there it is. But I do see that as being a primary uh, issue right now. Um, I think I'm not gonna go over any of the specifics of pricing or land use at this point. Um, that's just my suggestion. always like sometimes to go last because I get to hear the um, discussion and opinions of everyone else first. So I did have a couple of things and I did step out for a moment so I apologize if I bring back up anything that was discussed while I did step out. Um, to the 
developer, I would have to agree that no communication is loud. And um, I think it's very important that even if there wasn't anything to discuss, that you should reach back out to the citizens because this is a big deal for them. And they have been very forthcoming and uh, very agreeable with working with you all on this project. Um, was there any discussions that between the homeowners and you all in regards to a recommendation of a third party um, engineer going out there or uh, has it just been kind of left open-ended? No, they asked us if we would do that. We had the city manager on the phone and we said yes, we would do that. Okay, I mean, was there, any, I mean, uh, have you given them a list of names or have they given you all a list of different names and companies maybe that? No, I mean, we had talked about uh, somebody local, who was it? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then I did have a, maybe more of a comment in regards to the brownstones too. Um, I like the idea of the brownstones. I think that that is something that is up and coming for our community. And I think it's a great idea. I don't see how the brownstones in this uh, community, the apartment complex really, are going to be able to integrate with one another. So if the apartment complex, if we're going with the 388 units, because then it has the sports bar, it has the community pools, and it has the um, common areas, it seems to me that then the brownstones are kind of left as like the stepchild, so to speak. Um, would they have any access into this, the community features with this complex? Um, I mean, they, they could, um, you know, there's one of the things that, uh, you know, if you're a homeowner, do you want access to that stuff? I don't know. Maybe. Um, I wouldn't, you know, we had talked when it was a, a, a larger development, we had talked about, um, letting, you know, could, could there be some sort of memberships or something like that to the fitness area and things like that? Because when, when we look at the apartments as a whole, right, not just this project, we want to build our clubhouses, our fitness centers and stuff like that so that our residents don't need to go get a membership at a gym or something mm -hmm. like that. We want to provide them with equipment and, and big enough space that they can stay there. And, and so, yes, I mean, it would be something that we would be willing to do without a doubt. The, the one of the things that we have done that's kind of hard to see in this site plan is that we have three access points from the brownstones to the city trail, trying to connect those, get, give those, um, those residents over there direct access to the trail. And, you know, certainly they could, they could walk over there. Now, when we had the larger development, it had its own pool, it's had its own fitness area and stuff like that. Because um, that's just looking at that area, looking at that land, uh, including Mr. Swap's land to the north, we really feel like that's the highest and best use of, of that land in the development. And, you know, it, it would give that land more access because there was a road that was supposed to go all the way through. And now, since we just have our road going into the brownstones, um, you know, there's, it's going to be more difficult to, to develop that land in the north. So it's going to probably stay the way that it is because you, you know, can't really get a road going across that whole site. I see. Uh, okay. Sorry, I'm looking at my notes. 
I think that is, oh, um, if it was the 330 units, then would it be um, individual garages, I assume, or? No, I mean, it would still have to be structured parking. It was just the, the design would be completely different. I mean, it, the exterior materials would be, um, you know, more in line with what's in the PD. There mm -hmm. definitely wouldn't be two pools. There definitely wouldn't be two clubs. Just from an aesthetic standpoint, it, it would be a very different project. And so here you have the shops abroad that, that hasn't delivered what that developer told you that it was going to deliver. Um, our feeling is we don't want to do that. We want to deliver this area in this city something way beyond what this thing was originally zoned for. And, and to do something that is going to stimulate uh, more development in the area. And, you know, I did, I, I, I will say that, that, you know, I was listening to, uh, I don't remember who said it, but worried about this affecting property values. This will absolutely affect property values, but not in a negative way. Developments like this always increase personal property values. But if we go and do what is in the PD, um, it, it'll still affect property values, but not to the same impact that this particular development would. And then just one clarification, the whole project as a whole for capital purposes has to be included, brownstones and the complex. In order to cap it for, for this PD, yes. To, to be able to do the apartments and the brownstones, we have to capitalize it together. Um, if there was no apartments, then we could capitalize the brownstones individually. If there are no brownstones, then we could capitalize the apartments individually. But because of this PD, because we are trying to do what we said that we want to do from the very beginning, we would capitalize it together for both developments. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Okay. I think that's all I have for now. Thank okay. you. All right, uh, I'm gonna put my engineering hat on for a second. I have some questions. Um, and and they're, I think they're probably questions for the applicant and the city. So we'll start with the applicant here. You guys have stated you have a plan to deal with the drainage situation as it relates to what you're building here. Can you kind of, could you draw it on here real quick? I know we have that ability. If you can show me, me how to sketch. draw on this, I'd be happy to. How do you use this? Oh, take my finger. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay, so the original design was always that there is a box, seven foot by four foot box culvert that comes in right here, and then it goes underneath the fire lane and then the original uh, plan was that there was a, um, uh, an outfall right here that, that would go across uh, Mr. Nelson's property and Mr. Swap's property. That was, it, it basically was taking what the original flow was before the development ever was built to collect the water, put it in the seven by four box culvert, which was also in a sense working as detention and then it would naturally flow back to, to where it was originally. And, and so we're not changing that plan. There's also um, mechanical separators, right? As 
throughout shops abroad, there's mechanical separators on our side as well to make sure that the water that we're putting in there is clean, that we have to maintain those mechanical separators. And then it flows, you know, going back across that, that natural flow that it did originally and feed those four ponds. So that was, that was the original plan. Is your plan following the same? It is absolutely following the same thing. Okay, so where uh, is your outfall on the backside of the brownstones now? Yes, right now we've got, we're, we're trying to figure out um, what we do in this area right here, but this is where we'll either, you know, we're, we're still doing that study from a site planning standpoint. Do we continue the box culvert or do we, um, you know, put some sort of a drainage, rock drainage channel or something like that in there to flow that water back to its natural, natural state? Um, regarding the, I guess, I think you've answered my questions on the drainage part here. So regarding the traffic, you know, I was about ready to come in here and question the geo blocking being done. Cause as an engineer, I'm like, you know, that stuff's expensive for one mm -hmm. and two, you know, what was the, really the purpose in hearing the conversation tonight? It makes sense, um, that you guys are trying to trying to alleviate the situation with the, the homeowners over there with what you're proposing and, and offering a little bit more connectivity with what you're offering as well. So I'm not going to go there, but I, it is alarming to hear uh, all the comments that are being made about the traffic. And I do agree with the citizens. And I think you do as well that the number of cars that are heading east is probably going to be, you know, from here is going to be greater than what goes west for many reasons. These people, the folks that live here, the kids are going to go to school over there. Um, and just, you know, overall connectivity to other parts of Mansfield come out on Carlin Road from that. And um, hearing the concerns about people drag racing or speeding down this road to get out, you know, there, there are things that can be done about that. And um, you guys are willing to do some sort of traffic, from what I've heard tonight, some sort of traffic study to, to see what can be done from your end. Um, but I, if based on what the city, is, I mean, based on the comments are being made for as far as the recommendation goes, it sounds like there's some work to be done there. Figure out what what would address the citizen concerns there. Yes, and so that was um, one of the things that uh, Mr. Alexander said is that we would work together, um, that we wouldn't be able to get a building permit until that was resolved, right? Whether it's a traffic study, or but but the traffic study only does so much, right? there's going to be traffic. There was already a traffic study done with the PD. Does, does 58 units necessitate a new traffic study? I, I don't know, but if we need to, we, we can go down that road. I think more of what we're talking about are what are the solutions to keep people from going down that road um, to, the, to the east towards Carlin. And, you know, we've talked to, um, uh, I believe the city manager's office, can we put speed bumps in there or something like that? And it, it you know, we're gonna have to coordinate with the fire department and things like that. We have no problem fixing it. I mean, we're out there, we have the ability to do it. We can get some something on that ground. Now, we don't wanna go build, uh, you know, a bunch of stoplights and, you know, parallel parking and things like that. We wouldn't want it to get out of hand, but there are things that, that the city can do to, um, uh, lower that traffic flow over there and by all means we're we're willing to participate in that 
So that leads me to my next question for the city. We can go do all these traffic studies all we want. Why not just close it? Close off that access point. It's such a big, big issue. From the uh, Star Center to Carlin, it's an emergency services issue. It's uh, to allow fire to have more than one point of access if broad is backed up, which it occasionally is. They can swing over to Cannon and then they can take that into the shopping center. Um, so we would have to check with the fire department and engineering to see if it could be closed off, but it was there specifically to provide uh, interconnectivity if 287 or broad were obstructed. I think that'd be a good idea to check into it. It could save a lot of headaches and a lot of time if it doesn't, if the emergency service doesn't necessitate the need for it. I mean, it doesn't sound like Carlin Road is going to get any overhaul from city standpoint, and it's a short little connection to Cannon Drive, correct? Carlin Road to Cannon Drive. We're just talking about this one driveway out of the shopping center to Carlin Road. Right. We, we could check, but you have to take into account um, that there is further development going on on that road. Uh, to the south of it is another uh, anchor store with uh, pads in front of it, and to the north is city property that will someday be developed, and that might be the access for that, so people don't have to cut through 287 or Broad Street to try and get to whatever uh, develops on that property. So it's actually serving as kind of a spine road through the whole shopping center. So, Art, let me get clarification there. The pad, the, the land that's available to the south of this access road in the shopping center, that's all slated for commercial development? Yeah, it's, it's, you can see it here. That is part of the shops. And right. we've actually had an inquiry about um, someone developing this, and then there are a couple of pads in front of it. So that would become part of the shopping center, and if so, you'd have to either get your access off broad or you'd have to come in this driveway behind. And then the city has all of this property, which we might use for a park, we might use for a facility, uh, we might have it developed for some other purpose, which hasn't been determined yet, but that also has to use that driveway because it only, has the, it only can come off Carlin. Uh, or you'll have to come all the way through the shopping center to get to it. So it actually, like I say, is serving as the spine to get in east-west, and then you have the north-south here. Okay, fine. no, that's, I, I'm glad you kind of ran through that exercise to clarify who owns what property over here, what's left to be developed. Um, that certainly helps me kind of look at the whole global look of the shops over here, where there is a lot of undeveloped property. and. So there were a lot of concerns from the citizens about drainage and Mount Mansfield that sits over there on that property. I'd assume if the development that goes on there, that would eliminate uh, Mount Mansfield. As Unless we're building some kind of like you know, ski slope or mountain bike park there. I yeah, the, what would happen is as each park develops, they're going to have to deal with the drainage because as uh, Mr. Guillaume has stated, you can't create more drainage on other people's property than was flowing through the property before. They also have to deal with uh, post-construction stormwater quality where the water is actually cleaned as it passes through the property. So as each project comes in, including the uh, homes at Alexander, those engineering plans have to be reviewed to make sure they are carrying the correct drainage 
um, that they're doing the uh, uh, post-construction water cleaning, all of that stuff. So they'll do their section to make sure what they're creating doesn't cause a problem for the adjacent properties. Then as that new anchor store is built, they'll have to do their study to make sure they're not causing more problems for other properties. And then whatever the city puts on the big chunk here, we'll have to do a study to make sure we're not causing any problems. So back to the drainage thing, mm -hmm. we've heard from several citizens that the problem got worse when the shops were developed. Yes. I'm assuming, and I'm not trying to put the city on the spot here, but I'm assuming the process that you just laid out is what the shops at Broad went through originally, where the drainage was reviewed and and everything was okayed? That I can't speak to because those would have been reviewed by the engineering department and I'm not an engineer. So that would be something we would check. Um, but I, I couldn't honestly tell you what was reviewed and how it was reviewed and, and fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, I, I think that covers my questions on drainage and traffic. Um, I do think that, you know, a, an analysis of traffic calming so I'll call it, is, is warranted. Um, and what can be done to, uh, to really alleviate the issue of folks making the wrong turn from that street onto Carlin. Whether that's signage, speed humps is what was suggested to not to slow folks down. You know, some warning that, hey, you turn left, you're not gonna get anywhere down Carlin Road. Mm -hmm. um, I think the, the other questions I have are back to the developer. You mentioned earlier about uh, y'all were looking at options for screening for the parking garage. Yes. Um, I, is that something we need to, or what kind of options are y'all looking at there for the screening? I mean, it's, it's early stages. We're kind of throwing everything at a wall right now and trying to figure out what fits. But really, I think more importantly is that we need to work with Jason and Art of what's acceptable. So there's, um, they have some uh, artificial vegetation that looks pretty good. There's also some metal panel designs that, that we've talked about. Now we can't necessarily close it off because we have to have that end opening for fresh air for ventilation. But there, there are definitely things that we can do to, to pretty that up, absolutely. Now is that, and Jason this may go to you, is that formalized in the PD that screening will be, screening measures are needed on the parking garage? It can be if that is a desire of the Planning and Zoning Commission to recommend. Okay. Um, and really into the business side of, the, of what you're proposing, uh, Commissioner Thompson mentioned something about, uh, you know, the, the brownstones not maybe not having the, the access to the amenities to the apartment complex. My question on that is, are, is there an HOA that's attached to the brownstone piece yes, of this? Yes, there will be an HOA. Okay. So that might, therein lies might be some difficulties there. Because if you live at the apartment, you have access. You're paying that through the rent that you're paying on the apartment. Right whereas these units with an HOA. But I do like the idea of, of offering some sort of membership for those folks to mm -hmm. have some additional amenity to their, because I do agree with Commissioner Thompson that, you know, having row houses or brownstones is a, is a type of housing option that we need here in Mansfield. Um, 
but in this location, it's you're not really getting a lot of bang for your buck per se. You're getting the the retail, the walkability factor, and and eating and shopping and so forth. But um, I think an attraction would be some sort of membership plan that they could utilize the sports bar, the pools, and sure. the gym at the actual apartment complex. So I do like that uh, option. I, overall, I think the other commissioners have covered my other comments tonight. Um, I just want to say the word scars comes to mind when the I word think what? scars. Scars. Yeah. Comes to mind with this development. Um, I certainly am I'm 100% in agreement with the citizens here tonight. I am very disappointed with the shops abroad and how it's developed. Uh, Mansfield deserves more, it deserves better. Um, at the same time, it is it's a scar and it's in the past and how do we how do we fix how do we fix that problem um i think the, what the developer here is pro is showing is a class a development um i have a lot of faith in uh, our city staff and their leadership now that they are in concert with the vision that we're looking for here in mansfield and that's high quality development um, I certainly think that something of this caliber can spark a change for the shops at Broad for the better. Um, but I do share the concerns that have been listed here tonight. I share the concerns about the drainage scars, we'll say, the traffic scars, and really the, the overall scar of I own this property. It's my nice little part of Mansfield. I like it the way it is. and. Um, I don't really want to see a four-story apartment complex. That is nothing against you. I mm -hmm. think you guys are doing a, a really good job of proposing solutions. Um, I do agree that you know continuous communication is key, especially with the folks that have been lived there, lived there a long time. Um, so overall, those are my comments. Um, but I, I overall, I think, in my opinion, that what you're proposing is what you will deliver. Um, it's hard for me to to see that 58 units changes the changes it drastically, but I'm I'm certainly not in the real estate business, so I'm not, <laughs> I'm not going to bring that up. Um, but I will leave it at that, and I appreciate um, you taking our questions tonight. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, guys. Any follow-up questions, concerns from the other commissioners? If not, um, we'll entertain a motion on this case. I'll make a motion to approve in full faith that our um, staff has this well in hand but with a suggestion to the developer that he improve his relationships 
with, with the neighbors. Um, I think there's some things that you're doing that are good they just don't understand and perhaps some, some concerns you don't understand that perhaps you should. Can we add a little bit of structure to that? Just, okay. to, so just to make sure that we're good. Parking garage. Yeah, so there's, there's some issues, the, the traffic calming or traffic study that need to be included, uh, an independent third party review for the irrigation and remedy. Um, there's an issue of pavilion project. I think that comes out to city staff to work down the road. And then I think there's some other things <clears throat> that they wanted in the PD that uh, need to be codified, I think, and probably worth discussing to make sure it moves through properly. Jason. Thank you, Commissioner. That's what I was going to ask of the Planning and Zoning Commission to clarify as part of that recommendation. Yes, those, those four recommendations that staff spoke to, two that were already in the staff's comments tonight, as well as the additional two, which was leverage a buffer on the northeast corner, traffic control plan, retaining wall, and a lease plan. And I believe, Commissioner, there was actually there was one that you had mentioned. Yeah, and we would want to make the the screening requirement as part of the screening plan, requirements, the yes. development, and then you know for the developer to look into some sort of membership plan for the, the brownstones to be able to access the uh, apartment yeah. amenities. So let me see if I can put this all together. All right, we had a motion to approve with, with the following amendments with the uh, staff considerations that were in the, the write-up and presentation this evening. The added ones for the traffic study the added one for the uh, the screening, the added one for the membership, the added one for, what was the other one I'm missing here? What was that? The drainage study. That was by an independent third party. Yes, an independent third party drainage study. And for clarification from city staff on the pavilion project. But that, I don't know if we, that won't be part of the motion or. Yes, if I may, Chair, we can get that clarification for the Planning and Zoning Commission. But as the discussion is tonight with this particular item, it's the PD in front that doesn't include that use. Yes. I did have one more thing. I believe the developer had a request about certificate of occupancy. What is the staff's opinion on that? So to clarify that, within the current structure of the proposed PD, they would be allowed to receive a certificate of occupancy for the entire structure. It's just leasing the units. And part of that is being able to tie the leasing of those units to the construction of the brownstone. So that way there aren't unfinished dwellings on track number one, that everything is built and to the quality in the PD standards and that the city expects. So again, the CO would be issued, except that the 191 units could, no more than 191 units could be leased until those brownstones were constructed and final inspected. And then the remaining units would be allowed to be leased in the multifamily. Okay. 
Any questions on changing that recommendation? Did I miss anything? <laughs> All right, we'll go to a vote. Oh yes, oh yes. Second. So we have a motion by Commissioner Goodwin, amended by Commissioner Grohl, and a second by Vice Chairman Mayer. We'll go to a vote. And the uh, agenda item carries. The last item on the public hearing agenda this evening is 23-5163, uh, SUP number 22-007. Public hearing on a request for a specific use permit for row houses in the D downtown district due to urban transition zone on approximately 0.638 acres, being a portion of block 27, original town of Mansfield. According to the plat recorded in volume 63, page 53, City of Mansfield in Tarrant County, Texas, located at 204 South First Avenue. Artie, the show is yours. All right, thank you, commissioners. And uh, I'll wait, because I think there's gonna be a little bit of exit noise, uh, but maybe not. Um, and I definitely wanna make sure that we're speaking about this project in a lot of detail so that we can uh, sort of talk about some of those items that we, we discussed even in the last case. Uh, but this is a request for a specific use permit uh, within the D downtown district, uh, specifically within the D2 urban transition zone. Um, if the commission remembers the way the D district is structured, uh, there are three different transects, and we've explained the transects as being these, these transitions between uh, a lesser um, intensity development to a higher intensity. D2 would be the, the classification within the middle. Um, so you have D1, which is um, the lowest intensity, D2 being the middle intensity, D3 being the highest intensity, um, the, the district that we call our, our, our urban core. Um, looking at the property itself, I think some of the things I wanna bring up about some of the changes that have occurred in the downtown area, specifically around this area, uh, just to orient everybody, you can see that the uh, fire station is here, uh, the lot is here, but some of the development that I actually want to spend some time uh, talking about is some of the, uh, is this block here, and some of the other things that have occurred as you've gone around the downtown area. This is just the area just west of, of Main Street. Um, so you do have a lot of, of different style residential that has occurred already within these blocks as the area has transitioned. These all occurred via PDs in the past, but I think that some of the things that the uh, D downtown district, district wanted to do is look at how some of that development has 
started to reshape the downtown area to create more housing opportunities and to create this intensity uh, that would support what happens on Main Street as Main Street continues to develop. So I wanted to make sure to bring up some of that. And, and, and one of the reasons why I, why I call this, this block here uh, a, a different block, right, is it is all alley served with smaller lots, lots that you would see as being smaller lots uh, within the downtown area as you look at uh, some of those other properties that are, are surrounding. Um, this is a look at the current zoning. Again, the different shades of purple here uh, would show the different intensities of um, uh, the D district itself. Uh, you can see to the east is the D3 zone, uh, this property here, and some of the property on the west side of 2nd Avenue is also uh, within the D2 district. And then further to the west, you can barely see it, but there are some of uh, the D1 district. Uh, Looking at the existing site and sort of looking at the existing context of the site, we wanted to, to show the, the commission some of the photos on how this property uh, sits adjacent to those, those developments that I just spoke about. So the, the properties that I, I described as being uh, alley-fed and smaller lot, uh, that's along that block here. And so you can see this development has two frontages, uh, both a frontage on Alvarado Street and on First Avenue. So this is First Avenue and this is Alvarado. Um, the purpose of being here today is that a row house is, a lot, is an allowed use within the D2 district, but because it is a use that we wanted to make sure we, we bring a site plan, um, not only to the commission, but to city council, uh, we do require an SUP for this land use to be utilized. Uh, that way we can look at some of the special site ca uh, characteristics, um, require any special considerations that may need to be considered, and ensure that there's a compatibility of surrounding land uses. The development itself is a two-building development. They are all on individually platted lots. Um, so you see here that there are 10 lots. Um, those are uh, two-story row houses. Uh, as defined in the um, D downtown district, a row house is a single family product, so that's why they are all on individually platted lots. Uh, so this is a fee simple lot just like any, any other of the single family properties that you saw surrounding the property. The only difference here is that they share a common wall. Um, and um, what makes these different than apartment complexes, right, is that there's no vertical mixing of uses, right? So every one of these units is a single unit. Uh, these are two-story units, as I described. Each one of the two, each one of the two-story units will have a rooftop uh, terrace on top uh, that will be private space for those uh, units. There's also a, and I'll get to this in the, the landscape plan a little bit more, but there's also a community area in the back uh, to allow for uh, different types of activities, uh, but all of the development would come in off of Alvarez, uh, sorry, off of First Avenue uh, and access garages that are at the rears of the property um, and this way as well. Uh, each one of the row houses is a minimum of uh, 2,075 square feet uh, and uh, provides the appropriate residential frontages and streetscape elements along both uh, First Avenue and Alvarado. We'll get into some of those details here as we look at the renderings of the project. Uh, looking at the renderings of the project, um, the 
materials that were chosen for this development really uh, drew inspiration from the homes that were already existing. Uh, we saw that there were more uh, natural tones in the uh, materials utilized. I think at one point in time there was a darker brick utilized and, and I think we tried to figure out a way to, to sort of make the character of this development fit. Uh, but some of the things that we were talking about was with the activation of, of street frontages. If you look, um, this is, I should have done that and, and talked at the same time. This is Alvarado Street here. Uh, so on this side of the roadway would be that uh, alley-fed, smaller lot, single family that we were talking about. Uh, but if you look, each one of these units has individual walk-up stoops uh, as required by the code. Um, the, as the development turns the corner and comes down First Avenue, uh, rather than having a dead side of the building that's occurring on, on this plane, uh, we've created a, uh, or the development team has created a door yard that exits as a side exit from that, from this unit here. Um, and then that streetscape continues as you go down First Avenue. And we'll, we'll get a couple of better images there. Uh, you can see how each one of the units does have a, a rooftop terrace. Um, you can see some of that space being utilized by somebody there uh, in this rendering specifically. But this is, I, I really wanted to pull just the elevations that front the street because I wanted the commission to really take a look at some of the things that were done to these units in order to make sure that as you're walking within, uh, again, we're just one block west of, of uh, South Main here, as you're walking down the area, sort of that feel that you'll get. And you can see that all of the uh, street-facing facades uh, are well articulated. Um, they have great fenestration. All of these types of things are things that are, are located within the ordinance, but that the development team found ways to um, realize them through the development. You can also see that uh, there are some of the changes in, in, in roof lines, you know, there's some of the changes in materials. Uh, you'll get to see that when we go into some of the renderings here that show how, how those buildings sort of play uh, on the different perspectives that anybody would have as they're viewing this, this project specifically. Uh, so you can see that uh, in order to get up to that rooftop terrace, you do have a staircase that does rise out of the, um, you know, the second story there. Uh, but then there is a, an, an open space for those, those property owners. Looking at the landscape plan that has been provided, you can see that the, the development team has provided uh, the street lights that are appropriate for um, the classification of streets within the D downtown district. But you can also see that there is a private community area, uh, both utilized for the, the the dog families in, in the neighborhood, as well as uh, there is, I think I have a better image of it. And maybe I didn't bring that image. But you can see here at the rear, there's also a, a small, uh, you know, pavilion area that the uh, development has access to. Um, and so in, in <coughs> summary, um, the official land use plan uh, identifies this area as sub-area three, um, and I can see that I made a typo here, but it is a, an area ripe for a medium to high density development. Um, 
and that the central purpose of the D downtown district is to allow for those higher intensity residential developments to be integrated into the existing residential uh, fabric. Um, I think I've shown some of the ways that it, it does weave into that existing fabric that's there. That row houses help uh, diversify the housing options within the downtown and surrounding areas. And that uh, also row houses create an appropriate transition from existing D3, core, D3 urban core areas to, uh, that are just to the east of this property. Again, I wanna make sure that we go back to just sort of see that overall context of, of where this lies from, uh, again, the existing D3 urban core area. So you could see that there could be uh, much more intense property developed to the east as uh, the downtown area continues to develop, uh, therefore transitioning into this um, housing stock that's being, or being proposed uh, today with the commission. So I'm here for any questions, and I know the development team's here as well, if there are any questions as well, um, but thank you. Thank you, Ari. All right, with, uh, with that, we will open the public hearing at 8.29. Two cards. I have Mary Elizabeth and Eddie Phillips. Hello. Um, I'm Mary Elizabeth Phillips. This is my husband, Eddie, and we live at 200 West Kimball. So I don't know how to use this, but I'm going to try. <laughs> we um, are the adjacent property. Okay. Red. Look at that. That's us right there. So we have, um, according to the, I believe it was the next screen that you showed, 130 feet adjacent to this project. And when we moved into downtown Mansfield, and if you know us, you know we are huge lovers of our downtown community. Um, and not only did we anticipate higher density um, housing, but we sort of steered it and cheered for it. So. We're definitely um, proponents for this. We, we really are excited to see this project happening. It certainly is a breath of fresh air compared to the previous neighbors that we had. Um, in the back part, this is like the only, if you look at this small, I know it looks like a tiny strip. That is really the only private area of our property that we have and before um, a couple months ago, when everything on, for this project was torn down and leveled, we never were able to use that piece of property because there were anywhere upwards of 10 really large dogs back there that would bark. Um, the dog poop made it unbearable to be on our back deck because the smell and the flies. So, so happy to see this project happening. But we do have a few things, um, I know we can't really address question and answer, but we just made a list of some things that we wanted to discuss. Um, I know that you showed on your, I don't know how to go forward. I would love to be able to share your slides <laughs> since I haven't seen it this until today. Sure. Okay. Okay. There we go. 
Okay. This is the first thing on our list, is the trash and the recycling and the location of that because our bedroom window is like right there. And we were really concerned that this would be the place that you would put trash and recycling and that would just be, I mean, we hear the clatter over at the fire station when they pick up the trash. We call it the Thursday morning thing. It's about 7, 7 a.m. every Thursday. They come and they get the trash from the firehouse. So that would just dash our dreams of being able to um, fix up our backyard there. Um, while it's clear, we're hoping that with this project going in, we'll be able to finally take the deck that's kind of aged in our backyard down and be able to put in a retaining wall. I mean, it's just very short um, because we are uphill from this project coming from the south so that the future residents of the row houses, the townhomes, have a better view towards the back of our property. Up until now, it has not been worth investing in because the property behind us was such a, a disaster. So this is awesome. We love the idea, we're dog lovers, so this appeals to us greatly. We're hoping that there will be some sort of um, homeowners association just associated with these townhomes that will enforce rules for picking up dog, um, dog poo. <laughs> um, I'm not really too concerned about ours, but we, you know, we hope that it wouldn't be just a place people would open up a fenced area and let their dogs go and bark. Um, we're so tired of having the dogs back there. Um, so that's the, the first thing is, you know, is there some sort of ordinance or homeowners association among the, the future owners that would enforce um, rules about cleaning up that area? Um, we know that there'll be some sort of fence. We're just kind of curious about communicating that with us. I'm sure it'll be an eight foot probably an eight-foot wood fence. This would, I mean, I'd love to have a gate. <laughs> that last, the last fellow for the other project talked about, you know, could you buy a membership? Could the neighbors in the community potentially buy a membership to use the facilities at an apartment? And I thought, that is genius, because that's how you build communities. You get people from one area in a neighborhood to interact with people in another area of the neighborhood and make friends and start interacting and talking to each other. Um, I'm not suggesting a membership, but hey, if you wanted to put a gate in the fence there, we would not be opposed. We'd want to be able to lock it from our side, but that would be cool. Um, one thing that, uh, okay, clear and forward. Did I do it right? Oh, look at me go. Um, love all of the stone that you see in this picture. I know like as we watched the lofts on Main Street develop and we watched that very carefully because we had the, um, what do you call it, elevational sketches because we did all of the, the murals that are painted on the side of that. So we had the elevational sketches and we watched how the ratio of brick to stucco was presented as one thing and it did shift a little bit more in favor of stucco by the time the, the project was finished. So would definitely want to make sure that, you know, what we see is what we get. Um, but I think that's beautiful. I love it. Um, 
I think with rooftops, uh, I don't know if that's where the mechanical, like the air conditioning units and stuff would be up there. I do know that if you want people to use it to give that, that more of that vibrant downtown feel, you're definitely gonna want some sort of pergola up there because it is gonna, oh, it's gonna be hot. Um, but one thing that we do have a concern about that we saw happen, where are the pictures of the neighbor? Oops, I went too far. Sorry. Okay, this, this is our house again. This property over here was a, developed as a duplex. And this lovely mother-daughter here, this one is, was sold to a mortgage investment company that's out of Los Angeles. It's now a full-time Airbnb. Don't really love that situation for us. It kind of feels like um, it's, we live across the street from a hotel. They don't really keep up the exterior. We had to call uh, code enforcement to get the lawn mowed at one point. And um, I, I think that's probably something that the city as a whole is grappling with. Like how do, you, how do you create community when you have investors from out of state, maybe even out of the country, buying up land and then using it for short-term leases? So that's just um, food for thought on, on that front. Is there anything else that we thought of to say? Other than that, I mean, we're, we support this development. We, we're very excited. We know that there'll be a construction phase. That's fine. We're, we're thrilled to have you. Thank you very much. I have one more card. Felix, come on down. This is not the process right mode. <laughs> For the record, my name is Felix Wong. My address is 2604 Aberdeen Drive, Arlington, Texas. It's good to be in front of you again. Uh, I keep with a few clients now in Mansfield and, and all of them are, are developing in the downtown area, both on, on East Broad or West Broad, they are near downtown and, and near downtown. The whole development of the redevelopment of downtown actually started with those five, people sometimes often call cute little houses behind fire station, which is directly across street from, from this property. I did not have a presentation because I know that the staff would provide a good staff report and also a very detailed information which they just finished doing. I could answer some questions. Uh, what you're seeing here is a detailed site plan nothing inspirational about it so what you're seeing in the images both the black and white and the color rendering the architect sitting in the back of the room is actually what we are going to build it's such a small site that we had to get everything perfect lined up situated you know that you have enough room to back out your garage when when you do you not know, bang into the building and, and we even talk about what we're gonna use with the, with the space in the back. When you don't have a backyard, you're gonna need, still gonna need to walk your dog. Instead of walking along the block, you know, it's a perfect location to have that open space with existing trees, fence in yard that you could take your, take your, take, take, take Fido to. And while you're standing out there under the sun or in the rain, you know, having something to cover your head while you're talking to the other homeowners, it, it's perfect. With so much common area, 
that is outside of the footprint of the townhome, we absolutely mandatory will have a homeowner association to maintain all those common areas. Because there's only one dumpster, one driveway, one dog park. It doesn't belong to any particular homeowner. It's all commonly shared, and there will be a homeowner association. Uh, I am with Ms. Phillips. A lot of the communities I work in now, Grand Perry, Arlington, they have what they call STR, short-term rental ordinance or regulations that regulate how those kind of uses come in and, and, and what, kind of, what kind of requirements they are to, they are to comply with. So I, I think I would strongly encourage the city to, to look, up, look at doing an STR, short-term rental requirement. Maybe they already have it, maybe they already look into it. I, I'm not familiar with it. That would be the answer. Because it's not only unique to, to the downtown area, it, it could happen all over the inner city as well. Thank you very much. We'll call you up if we have any questions. Uh, I don't have any of any other cards, so we will close the public hearing at 8:40 and open it to commissioner comments. I'll start it out, Mr. Wong. Good evening, sir. Good to see you again. You're looking well. Thank you. Um, there was a question by the homeowner in regards to investment property. Um, is this sale or rental or what, what are we looking at here? Every one of this is for sale. This is for sale. There will okay. be an individual warranty deed issue to each one of the units. Okay. And is there anything that's going to be in the HOA in regards to <clears throat> selling to investors or... I know that's tough to do in a lot of situations, but do you have anything in place to try to help better control that taking place? A lot of times we, we will be dealing with a realtor, Century 21 or Remax. They, they wouldn't necessarily disclose to who the buyer would be until, it actually, until it's actually sold. But given the price of the units here, uh, we're looking at, at $500,000 on up. Uh, it's, it's hard to imagine somebody would want to trash our unit that you pay so much money for. Um, okay. the, the staff reported in, in, uh, in your packet that the, uh, our unit size is 2,000 plus square feet. Even for EC map, 2,000 square feet times $250, you're already, you're already at 500000 and, and I'm hearing out there that with the prices going up and down, it's not necessarily at $250 per square foot. It, it could, we could be looking at 375 or as the last developer is telling you, 300 mm -hmm. So when you're looking at those kind of prices, it's hard to imagine people want to trash our unit that you pay five fifty, six dollars $600,000 for. Okay. All right. Well, it's an exciting-looking project, and it's good to hear the homeowner that's right underneath it be excited about it as well. I think it's, um, you know, some of the concerns that she did bring up in regards to just the proximity and how do we make sure that that is as buffered as possible, I think is very important for that homeowner. Um, I did want to ask you about the open space. You mentioned that there's an open space for the dog park and little dog park area and social space. What's the size of that space that's, that's back there? Do you have any idea what that is? It's not very big. Uh, the, the entire property that holds the, the 10 units is 0.6 of an acre, uh, if I could picture it's worth a thousand words, right? Uh, 
So if you look at the entire property, it's one sixth of an acre. What's in the back? It is dimensions at about 100 foot lengthwise, mm -hmm. even width, and about 33 feet. It's about 3,300 square feet. Yes, sir. Okay. All right. Okay. That's all I have. Thank you. Yeah, let's say, you could save your questions for after okay. the hearing. Thank you. We can talk about it. <laughs> I have a quick question. Uh, I noticed the um, neighbor we spoke a minute ago uh, commented about potential noise from the trash recycling, which is going to be right outside their back window, I suppose. I see a wrought iron fence there called out on the plan. Um, is there anything else that could be done to maybe abate that sound? Uh, the trash recycling is, is, of course, on the far end of the dog park, not near the property line. We, we did it on purpose, you know, away from the neighbors and, and also easier to accommodate uh, uh, Republic. We could try to put a more solid fans on that side as well as to a as well as to a lot hand fans. Uh, I think currently there are solid fences there now that are opaque and some of them probably needed to be replaced anyway. Thanks. I mean, if it's chingling or see-through, it, it obviously would not block any kind of noise. Be happy to do that. I mean, the, for. Uh, it would look aesthetical. The, uh, our, our client believed in doing something nice and he often do bought on board type fences. I think it looks great. Uh, I think that the renderings are um, really incredible and I think the placement uh, where it's gonna be in downtown is perfect. Um, I'm glad that the homeowner is here. I think my only question is the garages are two-car garages, rear entry, correct? Yes. Um, and then I'm assuming that the measurements are correct so, to allow Republic to be able to get in off of um, second, maybe, and then make that turn. Because if the trash recycling is right there, I mean, it's gonna be easy for them to make that turn. It's and for homeowners to be able to. Correct. It, it, the, the homeowners should be able to back out the garage and head out. Now, the trash truck, we, we designed it, and, and uh, the, in, it's a short enough distance for the trash truck or the, or the fire truck, if they have to, to be able to back out. It's wide enough in a way where they don't have to brush, brush up against the, the side of buildings. Okay. And then the AC units, I noticed they're on the rooftop, but they'll be covered. Well, we have not designed any cover, uh, permanent covers for the, for the rooftop. The, the homeowners themselves could certainly put shade uh, umbrella or uh, the, the kind that you obtain at home improvement stores when, when you buy patio furniture so that they could have, they could have shade. Yes, uh, let me, I'm uh, sorry, uh, let me clarify. The AC units. AC units. AC units will be hidden by the uh, behind the parapet walls. Okay. 
I think that's all I have. I just have uh, one quick question, maybe one for staff and one for Mr. Wong. Um, the uh, cupola design on the on the roofs on the elevated roof is that a functional or just cosmetic? It's a function. W and and You're walking up, and then you have to kind of walk up the this out of the stair stairwell. Got it. I know we've talked a lot about auxiliary drilling and units. I just didn't want to make sure we weren't sneaking one up on the roof over there. But and the second question, um, I feel like this is a one of a kind or first of its kind in Mansfield. Is there another row house community in Mansfield already that you're aware of, or is this really kind of? There've been a lot. There've been a lot of townhome and brownstones, and we 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 follow the, the downtown standard and call them row houses. Uh, this is the first. Uh, with a roof terrace in, in the downtown area. Real quick, I hate to beat a dead horse on the trash and recycling. Is that going to be a two-yard dumpster, or what's anticipated for that trash So, uh, and I'll let the development team um, describe that a little bit more because it was a question that staff had during the review of this project. Uh, but it's also the, uh, a very similar situation to another development that, that is occurring uh, by the same development team, really. Um, and in the solution that they created there was they worked with Republic to do one of their rollout containers. And so Republic goes out, rolls that out, and that's how they're, they're able to access that. They push that back in after, that, after that's done. Uh, they're, it's, it, it goes with their commercial rates. So these are all things that we've talked about with the development team about um, this type of um, uh, trash receptacle that Republic has. And so, so that's all been discussion that the development team has had with Republic, not only on this project, but on, on similar projects that the development team has brought to the city. Great, okay. I just, I know everything like in downtown is all front load with the forks. And so that really wouldn't work here, but yeah. what you're saying does make sense. So yeah. that's great. I just one comment. I, I agree with our fellow, my fellow commissioners up here about this pro, uh, project. I think it's going to look great for the city of Mansfield. Have this, have this right there in downtown. The I see the architectural distinctions with each unit. I'm just curious if the uniformity and color types is are we set on that or is that you know, you, when you typically look at brownstones and row houses, they have some distinction in color, right? So I'm just curious if the, the goal is to stick with this consistent color plan or if there will be some distinction on the color side here. I, I, I think that if you were creating, and, and I think the, the issue that we all want to make sure that we're not creating is a very monolithic looking building, right? But we're not looking at, at a full block's worth of development or we're not looking at multiple blocks worth of development. I think that's where it would get too much. And so I think with the alternating um, uses of, of, of materials, even just with the, the little metal accents that occur or the banding that occurs or the articulations that occur, they all start to create that, that sort of separation between the units. So that you can definitely feel the separation of the units that are here. And I, I definitely feel that if there was um, you know, much more in mass standpoint that yes, we would want to see um, uh, uh, some variation there. As a matter of fact, I think that there are a lot of times where 
uh, when you do have multiple blocks worth of this type of development, that that's what you would expect occurs so that it doesn't uh, read as just one monolithic building. But I think also you want to make sure that a project feels like a singular project as well uh, sometimes. And, and that way it feels like all of these homes are, are part of this, this community that they're creating with the development. Again, I can see those types of items and if it's something that we need to work on as we're uh, continuing with this project is something that we can definitely um, look look for ways to to vary that some uh, but I think that this was something that I think from the size and the scale of this development it didn't feel like it was too monolithic thanks Artie okay that answers my question <laughs> thank you Sorry, could you come so on up here? <laughs> I think we'd we'd probably enjoy that. What you're talking about there? Just state your name and I'm address Jeff for the record. Jeff with Schomburg Architects. Uh, address 3625 Kimberly Lane, Fort Worth, Texas. And uh, the color selection was pretty intentional. We spent a lot of time. I, I go back and forth to Philadelphia a lot, and I spent some time walking the neighborhood specifically for the scale of this. And the smaller scale projects like this as a cluster seem to work better as a group of color. Um, breaking it up lost a little bit of that nice consistency that we've got in design and made it kind of compete and it just seemed to feel better. And so if you guys want to intentionally investigate that, we can, uh, but that was actually a design choice, an intentional design choice. No, I think your the explanation that you've brought here is it satisfies the question I had in looking at it kind of a couple of different lenses here. So appreciate it. Any other questions? If not, we'll entertain a motion. Move to approve uh, SUP 22-007 as presented. Second. Got a motion to approve by Commissioner Grohl and a second by Commissioner Thompson. We'll go to a vote. And the motion carries. All right, this next item on the agenda is a summary of city council actions. Mr. Alexander. Thank you, Mr. Chair. There were two items that went before the City Council at their last meeting. One of those items was an amendment to the provisions for donation boxes that was approved unanimously by City Council. The second one dealt with urban living phase two. That item had been tabled. That was also approved unanimously by City Council. There were some recommendations, or pardon me, some conditions that came with that development, and again, those conditions were intended to create a more pedestrian, human-skilled, walkable environment. So I'll pause it or answer any questions the Planning and Zoning Commission may have. 
just one comment. I'm glad to see the donation box is being passed. I'm sorry? I'm glad to see that the donation boxes was approved. Yes. yes. Uh, next item is commission announcements. We'll start to my right tonight. I don't have any tonight. <laughs> I'll be brief as well. So everybody survived the ice storm apocalypse of last week. Uh, I do apologize that I will not be here the next meeting. Um, not, I know we just had a big hand flash on that. But um, no, I apologize. That's a four day weekend for the kids. So we're heading out. None for me. I just wanted to thank you guys for indulging my absence over the last uh, 60 days. I was able to spend time with my granddaughter and my daughter, uh, explored some interesting neighborhoods in Charleston and Mount Pleasant, South Carolina. Um, this auxiliary dwelling unit is a prolific uh, situation over there. I happen to be the benefactor of staying in two of them and I'm so thankful <laughs> that they were available. So don't know where that's going, but I'll, I'll get caught up. Um, and, and thank you guys, I'll, I'll be more attentive uh, with my attendance in the future. It's just atypical of my normal characteristics, but thank you. We're glad to have you back, Commissioner Gold. <laughs> uh, my only comment is I just wanna thank again city staff, especially the men and women who were out on the roads, cleaning them off, getting the ice plowed to the side of the road so that we could all drive safely um, and uh, Thank you to warmer weather. Next item is staff announcements. Just want to remind the Planning and Zoning Commission and the public as well that the next Planning and Zoning Commission meeting will be a joint one with the Citizens Advisory Committee on February the 20th. This is dealing with the future land use plan. Everyone is welcome to come out and to attend that. Again, this is shaping the future recommendations and decisions pertaining to land use for Mansfield. Following the 20th on the 21st, there will be an open house that will be at the library next door, and that will be from 6 in the evening until 8 in the evening. Again, the Planning and Zoning Commission, the public is welcome to attend that as well to learn more about the future of the city. And I think that's all with staff announcements. I don't have anything else, thank you. It's still an active meeting. <laughs> Next item is adjournment of the meeting. I'll entertain a motion. I uh, move to adjourn. Second. Got a motion to adjourn by Commissioner Shaw and a second by Commissioner Goodwin. Thank you, Commissioners. I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> That's a wrap. And we're done.